Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And Welcome to episode 64 of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I am Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. I am joined, as always, by my puerile co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. You can follow them on Twitter at halfshatcat and at dcnatchack. And you can follow the show at Half Street High Heat, which you really should because there's lots of good stuff coming out of that. And thank you, guys for um, listening. Thank you for your comments, and please do go and uh, leave us reviews wherever you get your podcast. How are you guys this evening? So Purell derives from the word Purell, which is hand sanitizer, and you're saying we're very clean because of COVID. Sanitary. Yeah, (laughs) we're taking taking the proper protocols and and, uh, Taking it very seriously. Yeah, very seriously. So I respect that. Thank you. You're welcome. It was definitely a compliment tonight. <laughs> Purell. Yep, I like it. Um, so, so what are you guys up to? How was your week? Update on my aquarium. So I'm going full out on this aquarium. I mean, like I built the stand and all that stuff. And then you like had to put all the decorations in. And I got some plants put in there to help cycle it through. But basically you have to get the water safe so that the fish don't die and all that stuff. Anyways, got it all good to go. Tested the water. We're good to go. So I got fish, right? So I got fish, and um, I went to this, like, uh, cool fish store in Dale City um, because that's where my in-laws are. So that's how I knew about it. And 
my I have a 15 gallon tank, which sounds like a lot, but apparently it's not. Fish need a lot of space, so that all the fish I wanted didn't fit in my tank. So that stunk. So the fish that did fit in my tank, I wasn't very interested in. So I just got like random fish from Petco. Um, and then turns out those fish are live breeders, so apparently they will, like, you know, do what but, like, bunnies and take over the tank with all their babies, and I didn't want that. So I had to take, get, the, get, yep, get those fish out, return them to Petco, and then I got Tetras, right? Because it's just the little neon Tetras. Everyone knows what they are, but I was like, you know what? These always will look cool. I can have, like, a school of them swimming around. So it'll be awesome. I was like, I'll just get Tetras, and I'll be happy with that, whatever. So get the Tetras. Little I know, Tetras are apparently very sensitive to literally any sort of change whatsoever. Um, and, like, I got six of them. <laughs> the new to, right. I got six of them to start. Three of them died within, like, 36 hours. So I had to return those wow. today. So currently I have two Cory catfish, which are awesome, and I have, like, this little little itty baby shrimp that fell into the the bag by accident at petco and apparently it's like a 14 dollar shrimp and when he gets big he's like a nice deep blue color his Ooh, name is peter so fry him yeah <laughs> it's not that kind of shrimp <laughs> but uh so i have two catfish and a shrimp and a very empty looking tank so it's been a process wow that is that is quite a story yeah so it's a lot of trips to the pet store, and I'm just over it fun at fact. this point. <laughs> fun fact, when I met my husband, the first present I ever got for him, which was for his birthday, we met in June, and his birthday is June 30th, was fish because he wanted a fish tank. And I got two piranha, which are illegal to buy in Virginia, but I drove to Maryland to get them. And um, we named them Bonnie and Clyde. And after about a week, uh, Bonnie ate Clyde. So we just had one piranha. But we had that piranha for quite a long time. He was Bonnie became cheap. Clyde. Right. Bonnie ate Clyde. And I don't know if they were boys or girls, really, because how does one tell with a piranha? I'm sure somebody knows how. But I'm a piranha. The way I found out, the so the first set of fish I got were mollies, and apparently you can tell if they're boys or girls based on their fin shape. The boys have more yeah. of like a pointed fin, and the girls have like a rounded fin. And so I had a boy and two girls, which was like the worst possible scenario because, you know, the boy would get busy with both girls and then twice as many babies just couldn't happen. So I had to return them. But apparently that's the way you tell wow. with fish. <laughs> I don't know how they actually, you know, do the deed. But if you're telling genders, that's how you do yeah. it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just a – well, you know what? I feel like we're off the rails. Brian, what did you get up to? <laughs> um, so tonight I made a incredible beef brisket, slow-cooked it for nine hours, put it in the mm. oven so I can harden the uh, the edges a little bit, and then I let the, the juices marinate into it. Oh, so good. But I'm a mother now, um, so I had a fantastic <laughs> week with my newborn, uh, Finn. He is very adventurous, and by very adventurous, I mean he jumped off my second-story balcony. Um, I'm be like... <laughs> I guess I raised him right. So <laughs> I was at I was at work, and my mom texted me, and she's like, "Hey, I took Finn to the ER." I was like, "For what? Excuse me?" <laughs> um, she said he jumped, and I was like, "I'm gone for three hours, and he tries to kill himself." Cool. <laughs> um, and then the vet started laughing because when they opened up the cat carrier, he took up sprinting and jumped up onto the examination table. So he's fine. Um, 
he's just a little adventurous so we had to block off that and then also bought a specific it's a very specific thing you put in your door um i don't know why i'm forgetting the name of it um <laughs> oh it's a gate there you go but it's made for cats right like it's made for cats not to be able to get by it you it got took, by it it took finn 10 minutes to figure out how to get around it so that was a couple of trips to the store because um, he's like not fully ready to go on his own in my house yet and i like want to put you know gates up so i don't have to stand and watch him all day right but um we figured out the sleeping thing so like i've been getting normal sleep so that's good uh just one one thing at a time <laughs> yeah baby steps yep <laughs> yep baby steps well i love all the parenting stories we've got fish parents and cat parents i've got you know five kids but the real thing i've been struggling <laughs> with this week is my garden yeah, um, which is more, takes up more of my time than anything right now because we were just talking about this before we started recording that I when we were quarantined and I had nothing to do I decided to make my garden enormous because I had you know I was like whatever it'll just be awesome it's the apocalypse maybe we need more food what the hell so I uh, now have this immense garden that takes me like an hour just to water it and it needs to be watered twice a day on days when it doesn't rain because it's 5,000 degrees outside Yep. And I have so much food, I can't possibly deal with it all. I have, like, piles of cucumbers all over my counters. I have zucchini falling out of my ass. I've got just <laughs> food everywhere. I don't have anything to do with it. There's peaches ripe every day. There's now nectarines on my nectarine tree are starting to ripen, and I'm like, what am I going to do with all of this food? My neighbors don't want any more bags left on their porches. So I'm, I made jam. I'm probably going to have to make some more. I made peach ice cream this evening and uh so there, there's a controversial topic that we i feel like we need to tackle gentlemen which is that um nick doesn't like peaches it's it's not okay so if i had to rate peaches on like a scale one out of ten ten being the highest peaches get like a solid 6.5 like they're good <sighs> i'm never going to be upset with them uh but they're not my first choice by a long shot. There's plenty of other fruits I'd rather, especially in ice cream, but even in the summer, there's way better summer fruits than peaches, in my opinion. It's just not, it's just a travesty. Yeah, see, I love fruit. Big fruit guy. Peaches would not be my top five. Yeah, thank you. It, it, it's no it's no slight against peaches, but man, there are so many better fruits. Like, have you ever had... What's your top five if peaches don't crack the top five? Okay, are, so, we, are we talking fruits, period, or summer fruits, ice cream fruits? I need I need all the details. I don't know. Let's just go fruits, period. All right, so okay. number one, easily watermelon, um, the most superior fruit of all time. All right, number, number one two, strawberries, but I all right, that. Strawberries is my number three, but number two is bananas because I like throwing them in smoothies okay. and I like throwing them on my breakfast. Number okay. three, right, strawberries. Number four, mango. There's nothing better Damn. than a delicious yeah. mango, especially when you get, like, the core of it. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. And then number five, apples, blueberries, raspberries. It don't matter. I love them all. Peaches, 15th. So, <laughs> 15th. Wow. Uh, so, I actually have the same top five, different order. So, I have strawberries one, mangoes two. Love mangoes. Love mango anything. I had Kung Fu tea uh, for the first time yesterday. Got a mango slush or whatever. They had real slices of mango in there. Highly mm. delicious. Um, number three, watermelon, watermelon, especially in the summer, undefeated, uh, four bananas. I like eating them on their own. I'll throw them in a uh, cereal with Cheerios and then five apples. Uh, I don't 
I mean, I like apples by themselves, but apples are elite when you mix them with other stuff. Apple pie, amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, apple turnovers, my favorite. Other stuff. Some um, depends on the type of apple. Some apples are very pedestrian. Agreed. Like some agreed. apples are divine, and others are just like meh. But there's also so a ton a- of like different. I just like them all. apples. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton it's of true. different varieties, so you're bound to like at least one. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I like them that aren't too tart. I don't really like the like Granny Smith style. My husband will just eat those plain. Like I don't know. They don't do a thing for me. I haven't had one. Of those I like in the forever. sweeter. Anyway, I uh, my list is just totally different. I for one don't like watermelon at all, and I won't eat. Oh it my all. god! I hate bananas. Absolutely loathe bananas. How do you kick not, her out? It's a texture thing. It's I do not. My fiance is allergic to bananas and will still eat them because that's how much he likes them. So <laughs> that's our, that's our actually core. the first person I've ever met who doesn't like a banana. No, I don't like. like them. everyone I don't likes them. bananas. Like, I like banana I bread, them. and I don't mind them in a smoothie or something. But like just to eat a banana, the texture yeah. is nauseating. I can't. It's like you have a picky kid eater. You give them you give them chicken tenders and bananas. Everyone knows that. I know my kids all love bananas. They'll eat them. And in fact, my my three little ones will eat any fruit or vegetable you put in front of them. They were fighting the other day over cauliflower, fighting with each other over cauliflower. Like that's my, they're weird. <sighs> my teenagers won't touch a vegetable if you paid them. But Yeah, I hate vegetables. Unless they're carrots. Unless I like carrots. I like I celery too. I out of my garden today. Mm. Anyway, cantaloupe is right up at the top of my Cantaloupe's list. Cantaloupe's good. I love hit or miss. Cantaloupe's delicious. It is hit or miss. I, I, it's true. It can be very bland sometimes, yeah. but a perfect cantaloupe is absolutely the, my one seed. I love sweet. peaches. Way better than honeydew, love, though. Oh, honeydew's I trash. Like honeydew at all. Honeydew's so trash. Look at this. We all agree. Honeydew is trash. <laughs> Mark down the moment. We all agreed on something. Yeah, I know. And uh, what else? Apples definitely have to be on the list. I, I love apple <clears> peanut <throat> butter. It's a, uh, it's yep. a 10 Agreed. for snacking. The power Mm-hmm. And strawberries are in my top five too. Love strawberries. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really like other berries very much though. I'm not a big raspberry or blackberry person. I don't mind the flavor of them, but again, it's like the seeds. I, I like. Yeah, the, just I like them as a flavor. I don't like them by themselves. I won't just snack on blueberries or yeah. blackberries like or whatever. Like a blue raspberry popsicle, definitely a ten. Right. Uh, yeah, I like really the flavor. Sugar, water, milkshakes, whatever. So that was talking right. fruit. Um, we're going to revisit that segment next week. We'll, we'll do vegetables next week, right? Or no, no, maybe we should we should uh, continue with fr- fruits and do like the our least favorite. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Five, five least favorite fruits. So, oh, that's a good yeah, one. We'll, we'll we'll continue with that next week. Yeah. Yep. This week, uh, well, at our asparagus segment next week, we can discuss. I like asparagus. Asparagus. I love asparagus. God. That's my one seed. Perfect with a nice steak and some mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Love it. Roasted in the oven with a little Parmesan cheese. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. So good. Anyway, so should we talk about – I know, me too. I didn't <coughs> anything before this. Now I'm hungry. Um, let's talk about baseball maybe a little bit. There's baseball this week. Hey, guys. There, you listen to Happy hey, hey, There's we got baseball. baseball. We don't have to talk about fruits for 20 minutes. <laughs> There Ryan, is hit us. baseball, and it was quite a week in baseball. Um, MLB announced that for this season and this season only, they will be expanding the playoffs from 10 to 16 teams. 
the top two tens in each division will automatically make the playoffs, and then the next two best teams will make the playoffs as well. It'll be played in the 1v8, 2v7, and so on and so on tournament. First round will be a best of three with the higher seed uh, playing all games at home. They have not said if farther rounds will be played at one spot or a neutral site, but it's rather safe to believe that they will be. Mookie Betts signed a massive contract, 12 years, $365 million with the Dodgers. If you count this year, the full deal comes to 13 years, $392 million. Justin Verlander is shut, is shut down for a couple weeks due to a forearm strain. The report said that he was shut down for the entire year, but he tweeted out saying that was wrong. Shout out Bob Nightingale. You suck. The Blue Jays were denied two more spots for playing their games in Baltimore and Pittsburgh, but they finally found a home in Buffalo. In the meantime, they will be playing all their games in other teams' ballparks until Buffalo is ready. Sonny Gray set the MLB record for most consecutive starts, allowing six hits or less with 34 straight starts. Bet you didn't think that one existed, but it does. And Major League Baseball set a record. Um, this is the first year since 1958 that no team started 3-0 to start the season. MLB is also seeing some rather good uh, ratings this weekend. People are happy sports are back. To the NL East, we start with the Marlins. The Marlins did take two of three against the Phillies, and they're in first place for the division. <laughs> but that does not matter here. That is not the story. The big story is that the Marlins had three players test positive for COVID. Two of them were position players, and one of them was the pitcher who was supposed to start today. The two position players played Friday and Saturday's games. The Marlins have altered their travel plans, and they are not returning to Florida right now out of fears over the COVID spikes in the state. Reminder, the epidemiologist that MLB worked with to get the season back said, Teams, once a team hits three to four positive tested players, they need to be shut down. This is something that's going to be strongly watched in the next coming days as the entire Philly team is now at risk. Speaking of the Phillies, there's nothing better than the Phillies' inability to meet the Marlins. It's absolutely hilarious. Their bullpen collapsed repeatedly. D.D. Gregorius, excuse me, tongue twister, did homer twice. But like I said, the biggest question for them right now is the contact tracing and seeing if any other players are now at risk after playing the Marlins. They are one and two. The Mets. Nothing too crazy with the Mets this week. The Mets took game one against the Braves. The Grom was unreal in his five innings. His slider hit 98 miles per hour. They dropped game two in a thriller as Edwin Diaz was Ed Luz Diaz as he collapsed yet again. They also said they were going to kill time on the road by having called duty tournaments as a team as a way to prevent players from going out. They are one and two, and they're getting absolutely smacked right now in Sunday night baseball. The Braves. Will Smith is finally cleared to return to the team. The Braves beat the Mets in the first NL game that went to extra innings with the new rules of a runner starting on second base. They did lose both of their catchers before opening day. Both catchers tested negative for COVID, but both of them have the textbook symptoms of COVID, and one of them has a fever. So of abundance of caution, they did not travel to New York and are expected to be sidelined for a little bit. 
they are two and one. The Nationals had quite a week. Um, hours before opening day, it was announced that Juan Soto had tested positive for COVID-19. The entire team, the Baltimore Orioles, are all at risk as we speak as he played in the exhibition game on Tuesday. Wednesday, he worked out with the team. On Thursday, he tested positive. The first round of testing for the Nats was clear, but as we have seen with this virus, we don't know for sure if everyone's clear until 14 days have passed. You can test negative six times in a row, but that seventh time you test positive, it turns out you're contagious that entire time. So they cannot return until he has two negative tests that are constructed by Major League Baseball. I believe that the first round of testing will come back Monday. Trace Barrera suspended 80 games for PEDs. He joins the exclusive group with FP of players who took steroids and got worse. Game one against the Yankees was a five-inning game as Cole dazzled and the Yankees won. Before game two, it was announced that Steven Strasburg would miss the game with a nerve pain in his throwing hand. Uh, and then game three, the bullpen blew. Patrick Corbin being brilliant, and the Nats sit in fourth place and are one and two. This has been your very busy week in review, as it has taken one weekend for Major League Baseball to be a mess. Make sure you stop by your local neighborhood Chili's and grab yourself a delicious Buffalo Chicken Ranch sandwich. This has been your week in review. All right, I, I have to add two things to your week in review. First of all, um, show Lu or a uh, Shohei Otani. Yeah, oh, Ed Lou. Oh. Ed Luz was really, really good. I was going to talk about Shohei Otani, but Ed Luz was excellent rather than Edwin. That was very well done. Needed to tip the cap to you for that one. Um, Shohei Otani, I just saw a thing pop up as um, we were talking here that he, this just happened, I wasn't watching the game, that he failed to record an out in his highly anticipated return. He's downright oh, yeah. Rosenthal-esque. Five <laughs> runs. Yeah, that's yeah. not surprising. He, um... In his practice start, like his first start in July when they reported, I think he threw like five strikes and 45 pitches. With him, the only thing that matters is that his arm doesn't hurt. Like he's not going to be anywhere near where he was right now, just as long as he doesn't have pain. That's all that matters for him, which sucks because yeah. he was so good. I mean, yeah. I he know. You really can't help but root for the guy. He threw 101, 102 when he first got here, and now, today he was sitting 93, 94. So it's almost... Mm. Uh, a steep of a decline as Sean Doolittle, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, that uh, is upcoming, upcoming segment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just saw for people who didn't see it um, that he walked three, gave up three hits, and exited with a 4-0 deficit but had a runner on, so he ended up with five earned runs and 30 pitches and didn't record a single out. So. He still hit bombs, though. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. All is not lost. Yep. All right. So thank you for the weekend review. It actually has real baseball to talk about, which is just so refreshing. So um, let's do our FYI segment on the expanded playoffs. Can we get, as you mentioned it in there, can we get a little more details on that? Yeah. So this is going to be for this season only. It is how the owners are going to compensate for the loss of revenue. It was inevitable. Um, each major league team under the normal format pockets $30 million off of the TV contracts alone. So you get more playoff games in a world where we're all still going to be home in October, let's be honest. Um, this was inevitable. So it's going to be for this year. 
there is going to be 16 teams. There's going to be eight American League teams and eight National League teams. The three division winners are going to get automatic bids. They're going to be deciding based on record the one, two, three seeds. The four through six seeds are going to be the second place winners. Again, that is going to be done by record. Um, so the fourth best team is going to have the fourth seed. And there's going to be two wildcard teams. They can come from any division. They get the seventh and eighth seed. And it's going to be 1v8, 2v7, 3v6, 4v5. And the first round is a best of three series, which will only be played at the home, sorry, the higher seed stadium. So the first round will be a best of three. And I believe after that, it goes to a best of seven. They've not released too many details about the further rounds, but that's all we have for this season. Interesting. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. It seems just wrong to have more than half the damn league making the playoffs, but whatever. Like you said, it's a money grab, and we'll all still watch whatever baseball they give us. So It's, it's more playoffs. Like, playoff baseball is amazing. It's going to be weird with no fans, but we get more playoff baseball, so, like, I'm not going to complain right. about that one bit. I won't, yeah. More baseball is better, so. I also think it, it makes a lot of sense in a shortened season. I mean, we talk about before, like, it, it's anyone's season, and, like, people laugh at the Marlins when they tweet, like, oh, so you're saying we have a chance type deal or whatever. Um, but but everybody really but, does. <laughs> yeah, but everyone really does. And, like, I, I get the point, like, half, more than more than half for, for the MLB of the league is, is making the playoffs in this setup. But you look at hockey and basketball, which I do like their playoffs. Well, not so much basketball, but hockey, hockey playoffs are undefeated. Is- um, but they have 16 the teams. Yeah, yeah. Format format sucks, but as far as the amount of teams, it's awesome because you get great games, all best of seven type deal. Um, this mm-hmm. is actually similar to hockey playoffs in that you know first place and second place, and then two wild cards. Um, but I, I think it makes a lot of sense, and you're gonna figure out or find that one team that's peaking, you know, <laughs> uh, mid to late September that had like faltered maybe you know early out of the gates now in early august mid-august whatever and hit their stride when it counts that um just barely made it in and maybe they make a run so the teams like like we were talking about like someone like the blue jays might peak and you know sneak their way in someone like the white Sox if they're ready uh the padres i mean ryan you had them making the playoffs but i think they stand to benefit a huge amount, oh, uh, arguably the most out of any team. Um, I mean, the NL East, the Nats. I didn't have them making the playoffs. Now I do, because I think they benefit from this. So yeah, I, I look at the sixteen teams, and I'm like eight teams in the National League. I can't imagine the Nats not making the playoffs. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, there's fifteen teams in each league. You, the Nats are without question. You don't even have to look or think about. It. The Nats are a top. 50% team in the NL. No no question right. about it. So this benefits a lot of teams, but because we are a Nats podcast, we'll focus on the Nats. This benefits the Nats a huge amount, especially should, knock on wood, should Strasburg miss any amount of extended time, should Soto miss any amount of extended time or whatever. This helps them a ton because I obviously, as we saw last year, they started off terribly and they peaked at the right time and ended up winning the damn thing. They can do that again with this format. I mean, it's, again, different scenario, 
shortened season, whether you want an asterisk or not, that's besides the point. This helps the Nats right now, so you have to be excited about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, I was going to say the Nats for the team that I think this benefited the most. No, not um, the most, but it helps. Well, yeah, like the teams that's going to benefit a lot are those young on the bubble teams mm-hmm. because yeah. any, anything happened. Like the season's already exciting in itself because it's only 60 games and every game matters 2.7 times more than normal because based on the math, that's how that comes out to. And then also look at the fact that like the first round is a best of three series. We can have like anything can happen in a best of three. We can have like, I don't even mm-hmm. know, like some random team. The upset. Marlins would beat the Phillies. Yeah. The Marlins, <laughs> the, Mar- the Marlins could upset the Dodgers. Like, um, some random team could upset the Yankees in the best of three series. Anything can happen. Like it's exciting. It puts, it. it puts more pressure on the 60 game season because more teams are going to be like, Hey, like let's go make the playoffs and go get a bigger share of that revenue. And like, I don't know. I'm excited. I think this is a good move for this season, especially since this year is so weird. Also, inevitably, yeah. inevitably, you're going to get those days because they, they're not going to want the playoffs to extend too long because of the election. They want that revenue money, whatever, the TV, mm-hmm. the TV stations. So the playoffs still have to happen in the same amount of time, regardless of more teams playing, which means you're going to get days with – maybe six to eight baseball game, playoff baseball games in one day, like a March Madness-style day on a Thursday or Friday. And, oh, my Lord, I need that in my it's life. It's like my- the NHL is going to have 12 hours of hockey every oh. single day for, like, two weeks. It's amazing. I'm going to have to tell my clients I have COVID or something. Yeah, I'm busy calling out sick, using vacation, <laughs> uh, FMLA, whatever. FMLA. I'm Whatever excited. it takes. Yeah, so let me ask you guys this, all this playoff talk. How are you feeling after seeing what's going on with the Marlins and, and with uh, Soto testing positive? Like, do you? What are your thoughts now about whether they're going to be able to get through this and finish it and yeah, get so, through all these playoffs? Do you feel more or less confident or about the same? I think my bold prediction is now just like a really freaking bold prediction. Um, it took – one day for the MLB to have a potential disaster on its hand with the Juan Soto situation. And I don't really think people understood the severity of that. The fact that he tested positive on Thursday. Sorry, the test was on Tuesday. He tested. He took that test Tuesday morning and played a game, traveled with everyone in the bus, and then worked out on Wednesday and around everyone. That's how outbreaks happen. Like That's like patient 30 in South Korea who's basically a bioterrorist. Very fascinating story. I re- highly recommend reading about her. It took one day for a situation like that, and now we have the Marlins where Florida's a disaster. Like I think that was inevitable. I don't know. I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, Major League Baseball is going to do everything they can to finish this season, but I think we're going to see a lot of players start going out for – COVID and some pretty big names also. Oh, um, one thing yeah, I, I forgot to mention. Gonna... Sorry. So sorry. Um, was that Eduardo Rodriguez? He returned oh, from yeah. COVID. He returned and then oh yeah. He was supposed to be the opening day starter, and then they said he had a minor complication, and then the pretty major. Yeah, the Red Sox. Yeah, heart trouble. Yeah, yeah his un- undersold it just a little bit. Yeah, his heart's mm-hmm. inflamed, and that is one of the most common side effects of people who are post COVID. And he's a pretty healthy 26-year-old man, so that's a huge thing to like look at. He might not come back, and like Freddie Freeman's at risk for this. And I don't know. 
I think the season is just going to be a complete disaster where every single day players are going to be getting hurt or getting COVID. Do you think it's going to get through it, I guess, if you had to make a prediction? Do you think we're going to get to the end? Because I really don't. Pure, sheer ignorance, yes. Because yes. even though the fact that – I was going to say that. Like, even we need to shut down as a country, let's be honest. And I don't think any sport should be playing right now. Um, I think, well, Except NBA – Yeah, golf, NBA, NASCAR, those are a little easier right now because NBA built their own city. But I don't know. I, out of pure we ignorance, MLB is going to – MLB will get through it. Potentially <laughs> hockey, too, because they're using hub cities. So and really also it, Canada. It's just baseball. Yeah, but the Literally 30 cities with everyone traveling is right really oh stupid God, in the middle of a pandemic. They didn't change anything. <laughs> no. They didn't change. I know. They didn't, they didn't adapt. They and didn't. also the fact that, like, 10 teams are in states that have, like, their positive rate up over 100%. Like, <laughs> I know. What do they, what do they expect to happen? I'm just afraid, and I have been, and we've talked about this a bunch of times as we've in, in the run-up to this season starting, is I'm worried that something bad is going to happen. Like yep. somebody is going to get really sick, or somebody's going to die, or somebody's family member is going to die, or something really terrible is going to happen, and it's going to take that for it to get shut down. But I just, I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, given what we're seeing, months of these teams, 30 teams traveling around, 30 different cities, like what are the odds that we're going to get through this without somebody getting really seriously sick or dying? And if you look at the numbers around the country, I, I don't see how it can happen. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I just keep thinking that they're going to just keep on you know, with the blight ignorance until they can't ignore it anymore. MLB needs the NFL doctor where he literally did the interview. was like, if you guys don't listen to me, players are going to die. And then like three days later, they instituted his entire 50-page plan. That's what MLB needs. <laughs> yeah, owner, signs point to them not doing that. <laughs> it just, like we talked about before, the reason everything's so screwed up is because they tried to negotiate the CBA this year mm -hmm. when they needed to just ignore that or just delay it, talk about it later, and then just focus on the COVID stuff now. But they right. were so Maybe pay attention to the right. pandemic that's happening. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I think you're, I think you're right. Something easily could happen. That is just such a travesty. Had I'm not saying the Red Sox did anything wrong. I thank God they caught it. But for example, had Eduardo Rodriguez pitched opening day, Who's to say he didn't have like a heart attack on the field because his heart's inflamed? Yeah. Like that yeah, or one of the or one of the staff members or one of the umpires or you know the coaches right. who are generally older. Like, what if one of them catches it from one of these yeah. players who's positive and then they end up dead? I mean, it's I don't know. I'm I'm scared that I'm so happy to have baseball. Last night I had like six hours worth of work I should have been doing last night, and instead I laid on my couch and watched baseball and screwed around on Twitter all night, and I was so happy. I was like, oh, God, this is so amazing. I miss baseball so much. And I'm so happy to have it back, but I just can't see us getting to the end of this. I just can't see how it happens. I hope I'm wrong, but. I just don't think the owners care enough. Yeah, oh, no, they don't they're care gonna at all. They're going to have to care. If somebody dies, they're going to have to care. The, Even if they just, don't care, they're going to have to pretend they care. Like Ryan said, blind in ignorance. And I hope they're wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope. Like, they do care, but I just don't think they do. Nothing they've done to this point has shown anyone that they care yeah. about their players. If history is any indication, and it usually right, is. Right, exactly. I don't see. Yeah.
All right, so new segment alert. We're calling this the Nats Spat. We're going to do kind of uh, rapid-fire style, just some things that are going on around the Nats. First thing is the terrific news. I'm sure you all noticed as you're watching the games that they have decided to pipe in crowd noise, as we've all seen. But the at Nats Stadium, at Nats Park, they're actually doing the Nats, N-A-T-S, Nats, 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 woo chant that we all love so much. Nick? I would love to hear your reaction, since I know that's your very, very favorite. Listen. <laughs> 2020 has been rough, okay? The whole year, actually, rough. <laughs> the whole year. Just terrible, just terrible. All I was looking forward to was one season, not even a full season, just 60 games. Just 60 games without that dumb chant. It is the worst chant in baseball. The Nats struggle so mightily to find an identity that they just throw stuff at a wall and hope something sticks. And for some reason, this dumb chant has stuck. And I hate it. They can't find an identity. They can't do it with their uniforms. They can't do it with their mantras. They can't do it with their chants. They're bringing back Natitude this season, right? Natitude was, wasn't good to begin with. It might have been good in 2009, like when they were trying to hype up the new stadium, or 2008 when they are trying to hype up the new stadium, but it hasn't been good since then for sure. They struggle so mightily, but why has this dumb chant stuck around so long? It's just its the worst. Cut out the woo. The woo sucks. It's it sucks. I, I hate this chant, and I love that baseball is back. But man, the, it is just reminding me of so many things that I hate about the Nats and Nats fans and Nats baseball. I'm talking about you, Mike Lay Taylor. But that hyped-in crowd noise was terrible. It started with the season ticket holders and the 300 level, and I guess the person who came up with it was like, hmm. It's too close to the Jets. Let's make it our own. And someone, a woo girl was there and was like, woo, baseball. And that person was like, oh, my God. Oh, it's perfect. Um, <laughs> yes, woo girls are very real. Um, and then they're like, it's perfect. We have it. And they threw that stupid woo in there. Like, I don't mind the, che like, the cheer. I just hate the woo. The woo so bad. And also, Is why do you like – why do you throw your hat with it? I mean, like, I still say it when I'm there. I just don't say the woo. I feel Damn like on Twitter, I would use that, like, triggering intensifies gif that everybody uses on Twitter. That's yeah. Me. You guys seem very triggered. That's me. That instead, is quite literally me. Instead of the stupid, like, ban the wave movement, like, who cares? Let people do what they want at baseball game. Um, that argument does not work here because the woo is actually unconstitutional. If you read the Third Amendment, Section B, it says woo is not allowed at sporting events. No more woo. No more woo. Ban the woo. Ban the woo. It's hard to argue with that kind of constitutional scholarship. But it is Ban a perfect segue into the next point, which is um, apparently at the, the Phillies game today, the fanatic was sitting in the stands by himself doing the wave. Sort of sad and pathetic. I'm yeah, not a wave person at baseball games anyway, but um, yeah, the fact that you guys hate the woo so much makes me want to do it all the more enthusiastically the next time I'm there. Amanda's gonna do voice uh, the voice audios of text every time they score and just go woo. woo! <laughs> 
I'll be a woo girl. That's what I'm doing. Oh God, Amanda's a woo girl. Probably we're in Tijuana. Who knows? But the picture of Max today sitting in the the stand oh, so watching. Good. I made it my profile picture. I love that I picture. I saw you made it your profile. Yeah, I, I somebody died was like, laughing. Get Max a beer. He's trying to enjoy his day off. I, I died laughing. I love that picture. Yeah, I love Max Scherzer. It, it'd be funnier so if he awesome. wasn't even behind home plate. If he was like in like the red porch or whatever it's called, or like Budweiser loft. I I would die laughing. <laughs> he was just randomly around the park. It's like, fine. where's yeah, Waldo? But fine, Max. Where's Where's Max? Yeah, I love uh, it. Okay, next one, since we're supposed to be rapid fire here. Um, Juan Soto test positive for COVID. We talked about it briefly. Um, super sucks. It seems like maybe it was a false positive, or maybe they just want to pretend it was a false positive so they can get his bat back in the lineup. <laughs> I'm going I ladder. love, yeah, so I like how after he tested positive, they were like, oh, um, we're amending the rules. You don't have to wait for oh, that's two, right. two yeah. negative results for certain situations. And everyone's like, okay, so when it's a superstar player, they can get one negative. Right, the that's situation is when it's yeah. one soda. That's yeah, like, okay. Um, no, I mean, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he's back soon. Nevertheless, it's taken one week, and the national testing problems are being shown. The false negatives, the false positives, the delays. Like, And it's weird because they're all rich, and rich people don't have these problems. Next section. Yeah. All right, moving Widely on. Widely exploits the, the issue. But, yeah, go ahead. Okay, Max, in his opening day start, gave up four runs. And five point one, five and a third, but he struck out eleven batters. Everybody else though got on base. Yeah, Max did not. He did not pitch well. Um, everyone's no. like, but the eleven strikeouts. That's the Yankees. The Yankees strike out a lot. They strike out more than anyone else in baseball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're also going to hit a thousand foot home runs off you, like we saw John Carlos Stanton do all week long. He walked four people. Um, it wasn't Max's typical start. Max, going back to the playoffs, I know he had his back injury, does have some worrisome signs. Um, I think this is something to monitor. It is the Yankees, though. They are the best team in the American League. So it's kind of like yeah, they're how, do you their hits off you. how do you want to look at this? But yeah. if he struggles against like the Orioles or the Blue Jays, it might be time to have a more serious conversation. Yeah, the I mean, first start, shortened season, not a real spring training, so you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, not, si- or uh, what's the word, signaling the alarm or whatever, uh, just yet. But the most concerning thing for me is the four walks because, especially in five and a third, if he has four walks in a complete game, that's a little bit different, you know. But four walks in five and a third, not great, especially for someone like Max that doesn't walk a lot. I mean, he always has a whip close to one or even under one. So the fact that he, you know, walked four uh, in five and a third, that's the most alarming thing to me. So he needs to get his command under control. Um, but otherwise, I think he, he'll he be okay, but I don't think he's going to be the Cy Young caliber Max anymore. Yeah, I don't know if I'm prepared to give up on Cy Young caliber Max permanently, but he is, you know, he's 36 years old, so right. everybody that, that's all I mean. around that time, so it's something that is going to happen eventually, whether it's right now or not remains to be seen. I yep. just can't get myself too worked up about a start where it's the first time he's seen another team, yep. and they had no real training. They had a few inter-squad games and a couple of scrimmages, and, you know, I'm not too worried about it yet. Like you said, if he struggles against the Orioles, that would be a different thing, but 
you know, the Yankees lineup is going to get their hits off you. And like you said, they, they strike out a lot. I mean, they swing for the fences, so they strike out a lot. But, yeah, I don't know. I, my concern level is still pretty low right now. Another starter to like that, it would be significantly higher. But for now, I'm not that concerned. Yep. All right. Uh, Strasburg injury. So nerve pain in his throwing hand is not not super cool. I don't I'll like it. I, I remember watching his exhibition start, and I was like, he's grimacing his hand. Unpopular opinion, shut him down for the year. You have way way too much money invested in him to risk anything in a season that is this messed up and this weird and this different. His entire throwing plan got messed up already. He had His arm got ramped up. They had a four-month break in his back already, and he's having pain. A guy with injury problems, shut him down. You have way, way too much money invested in him to even risk anything. Let Fetty, Voth, other guys get some starts in there. Along I don't hate it. Excellent. Along the same vein, uh, and one thing I was going to mention to this was, yeah, the injury is one thing, but his comments about the injury in the season were uh-huh. uh, like mm-hmm. eye-raising, right? Um, because he said, I didn't, I'd, something along the lines of, I wasn't sure I how worth it. I got my last shot but, or yeah. something too. Did you hear that? I got my last shot. People were like, last one? How many have yeah. you had? Yeah, yeah, he was exactly. talking about like looking forward like, to the future and like stuff. Right, so he kind of spoke like a guy who was, you know, going to miss some time or perhaps even the whole season. Um, but the fact that he said, I wasn't sure how worth it it would be to begin with, with all the, you know, shortened season code yeah. protocols. I, I think the Nats should shut him down, but also maybe it's better if he just opts out. Like, I, I would assume you're still allowed to opt out. I don't know. The, you can the opt out for... any time. Yeah, so I, I would just have him opt out, and he can say, you know, the Nats have always looked out for me. You know, shut me down, and now I have a World Series ring to prove it or to show for it or whatever. So he can mm-hmm. say, now I'm looking out for the Nats. I want to be my best self for them. I don't want to risk myself uh, injury or COVID-related. I want to take this time off, get right, and be back for 2021 at full strength. And yeah. like Ryan said, it's a perfect opportunity for Voth, Fetty, and anyone else uh, to step up and get some valuable work in. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna like see a lot a of this. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, man, but like we're gonna see a lot of injuries like this. That shutdown period messed with a lot of arms, and that's why we saw a lot, a lot of people. That's why a lot of people opted out were post TJ because their entire like rehab thing got screwed up. They couldn't really do anything, and we're seeing guys all around the league after one start having pain. Like Marcus Stroman tore his calf in the bullpen today. Verlander got hurt. Um, Corey Kluber has shoulder tightness and Strauss. We're going to see a lot of injuries all throughout the league. Michael Kopech might not be ready till 2022. Like, yeah, this like how bad it is. This ruined him. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it, it sucks because I think you're right. The pitchers are going to feel the brunt of that that shutdown period more than anybody. I think. I think for position mm-hmm. players, you can get yourself right more easily, but. I don't hate the idea of shutting Strauss down. It hadn't really occurred to me, but it, it's not a bad idea. And we've talked extensively before the season started that I'm very much in the camp of I think this season has an asterisk. And I think 
uh, what we're seeing right now, what we're discussing, is one of the reasons it's going to have an asterisk in my mind. It's because you're going to have a whole bunch of players opt out already. You did. You're going to see a lot more. You're going to see a no, lot fair. of injuries. Like, the, what we end up with at the end of this season, if we get to the end of this season, is not going to in any way resemble the a, a nor, what a normal 2020 season would have looked like. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's yeah, where the asterisk that's fair. comes from in my mind. Is yeah. When I look at this 20 years from now and look back at the 2020 season, I'm going to be like, yeah, that was cool. It was like a sprint to the finish. It was like everybody was tied at the trade deadline. It, it mm -hmm. was fun, and there were expanded playoffs, and it was cool, and I love baseball, and it was interesting, but it's not the same. No. I mean, like, it, it's nice, but you don't want it to be like the – uh, every season thing, you don't want it to be the, you know, no. the main course or whatever. And I'll enjoy it's... the hell out of it because it's right. baseball, but right. it's not It's not yeah. the same. And, and, and I'm yeah. worried about the COVID stuff, and I'm worried about injuries, and we'll see. We'll see what happens, but it's it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah. I, I got the same impression you did, Nick, that Straw sounded like a guy where there's more going on than they're letting mm -hmm. on right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this season being as weird as it is, like, I, I don't really – I don't really care. Like, I want a healthy Strauss going forward more than I want whatever yeah. this season is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like the Nats said he expressed interest or the idea that of opting out, and the Nats just said, you know, take some time, think on it. That's kind of what it sounded like with that whole ordeal. Um, and he deserves it. I, it sucks to lose a, a prime season of Strauss, but then again, it's only 60 games. It's he already missed this start, so it's maybe nine or ten starts. I mean, yeah. that's that's really nothing in the grand scheme of things. So shut him down. Ryan's right. Shut him down. Don't risk it. Too much invested. Look at us all agreeing again. What a what a very amicable episode. We're <laughs> except for the except for the watermelon and banana situation. But I mean, that's how you know twenty twenty is just completely screwed up. We're all agreeing. I do. <laughs> Oh, okay. Next one. Fetty's fill-in start. The surprise, the surprise yeah. of the week. He gave up quite possibly the most impressive home run I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, hundred. That was unreal. Very impressive. hundred and twenty-one <laughs> miles per hour off the bat and four eighty-three. Unreal. You can't even be mad. But like, he made a spot start against the Yankees when that lineup is very deep. Four errors yeah. made behind them and only gave up two runs. Five. I think there were, or that was one was later. The, the fifth one was later, yeah. Four four errors when he was in. Um, honestly, you can't really ask for anything more. No, you really can't. Not from your fifth starter. I think I said something on Twitter like, wow, we just really scored nine on the Yankees with our worst starter and pretty much what we would have called our B team of relievers, right? Although our A team of relievers looked like crap today, so maybe yeah. they're our B team. I don't know. <laughs> but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I was impressed. I thought that he did really well and in a tough situation just with no preparation against, you know, the best lineup in in maybe the best lineup in baseball, certainly the best lineup in the American League. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's awesome, and I think – should like we just talked about Strauss opt out or shut down or whatever um Fetty stands to gain the most um but also I think he has the most to prove out of any one of our pitchers um because we've seen him the most like uh, he's been around the most even more than Joe Ross um he 
just hasn't been all that consistent. And he's had great starts, and this was one of them, but I'm not going to buy into it too much until I see it consistently. But now it looks yeah. like he's going to get that chance to prove it consistently. So I'm curious to see how it plays out. But great start. I mean, terrible situation behind him and going against the Yankees and whatnot. But, I mean, he did as good as you can do. So that's all you can ask for. Um, and, and on a related topic of fifth starters, like wh- whatever happened to Hellickson? Did we ever just figure out what happened to him? I legitimately uh, um, don't he know. retired. Yeah, he retired. But he retired. It, it okay. was yeah. I he announced it. it after you know years like just disappearing. Yeah, his wife definitely did declared a, him did he dead. Get a ring? I feel like everyone got a ring. Did he get a ring? I think so. I actually don't know. <laughs> of course he did. I was kidding, but of course. I mean, he did. the junkies got a ring, so apparently yeah, the Nets so are just stupid. handing everyone out rings. Everyone on the radio station that got a ring. Everybody who's one of the journalists got a ring. They were very generous with the rings. I wonder if Sam got a you, ring. I don't know. I don't know. All the Let's math journalists. All yeah, the I'm math and broadcast right got now. rings. All right, yeah, find out because I'm ready to be really super jealous. <laughs> okay, what do we got next? Um, defensive atrocities we were just talking about. Trey Turner, yeah. holy crap, Trey. I just bought your jersey. You need to stop this crap. I bought the gold one, by the way. Oh, Very they're sharp. so beautiful. Gold Trey Turner. Um, Trey had the weekend to forget, just messing up routine plays, and he had, like, think one hit. Um, the play the play we're seeing right now, there's going to be a lag. Um, like, we saw when soccer came back right away. It was real sloppy. A lot of people were taking penalties. They're offside. When golf came back, a lot of the guys were shooting well above their normal. There was a long layoff, and there wasn't exactly a spring training, so there's going to be, like, some type of lag. But, like... They messed up throwing the ball back to the pitcher. They couldn't even cover oh my first. God. They couldn't throw the ball the first. They were like routine plays that you've been practicing since you were like eight years old, and they're messing up on. Woof. Yeah, it was tough. Right now, tough I think team. they're the worst defensive uh, team in the league right now because they I mean, have five errors. Five errors the other day. Yeah, that'll <laughs> yeah. do it. Jesus. Uh, and four yeah. in like the first two innings or whatever it was. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was, it was rough. It was bad. I mean, but we saw today, like in today's game, uh, Glaber Torres, I, I don't know anything about his defensive abilities or whatever, but he had two errors uh, today. And, the, of course, the Nats didn't capitalize on them because they're the Nats. Of course. But, I mean, I, I think Ryan's right that it's just everyone's going to take uh, some time to get back in the it's swing of things. Be but it's going to for a while. It's super concerning with Trey because he had some of those spells before. So I hope he gets it right. Well, he needs to he needs to get it right because I just bought his jersey and it wasn't cheap. <laughs> I saw I, I posted a picture of it on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. Somebody responded and said, "Does it ground into a double play before they ship it to you?" I was like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Does it hit rude. a pop fly on the second pitch of the game? <laughs> yeah, because that's what leadoff hitters do. He's not a leadoff. Just bat. We don't have time. That's an yep. argument for Next. another day. <laughs> Next. Nats signed Josh Harrison. Uh, pointless, not good anymore. That's all I gotta say. Cool. Uh, I, th- I think it, it's smart for like defensive um, strategy. I guess like he is a utility guy, but I mean he got released for a reason. He got released from the Phillies. I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, so yeah, he's not going to be like impact guy but knowing the Nats they're going to take uh someone's trash and try to make it their treasure when really they're just trash yeah 
Um, so find yourself somebody. He, he'll probably be the, like the Rizzo. Loves he'll probably be like the starting center fielder by, by <laughs> August third. Nah, he's gonna be right. he's gonna be batting uh, third or fourth, <laughs> even yeah. though he has a career right. three thirteen on base percentage and a career seven fourteen OPS. And they're gonna be like, you know uh-huh. what? He's just like Castro. We'll have him back. That's fourth. our cleanup guy. That's right. God, I can't get over the fact that Castro's batting third. Anyways, next. Next, bullpen. Um, Half Street High Heat alum Ryan Harper looked pretty damn good in his match. Two great game. innings. Um, great filthy, curveball. Filthy curveball. Oh, my God. Hi, I curveball. could watch him throw curveballs all day long. That was a steal. And we, we've seen this a couple of times where it's just like under the radar. Well, throughout the Mike Rizzo tenure, I should specify, where it's kind of like an under the radar acquisition that turns out pretty well. I'm not going to say he's, you know, uh, like a dominant force to be reckoned with or anything like that, but so far so good, certainly. Um, and I hope we definitely need it after how the bullpen looked today and from the well, people we counted on. Let's talk about, well, so, you know, so in Fetty start, we kind of brought in all the, you know, the, I don't know, lesser guys, you know, the less um, high leverage guys, I guess. Um, to because we had a big lead. And so they were like, let's rest all of our, you know, best relievers for tomorrow. Yeah, for the rubber so match, and uh, yeah, the so names. the guys, yeah, Will Harris, Sean Doolittle, it, yeah, was, uh, Will, it was a tough day. Will Harris, like, he kind of screams like that guy who's just real dominant ever, everywhere he is. Like, his season last year was amazing, and he comes to the Nats, he's like, I don't know how to pitch anymore. He just kind of seems like mm-hmm. that's the year he's going <laughs> to have. I heard he had one blown save last year in the entire season. He This is in his debut as a Nat, he blew the save. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he has like, he gave it like three runs in total last year. I mean, it was more than that, but like he had a one-three <laughs> ERA in sixty innings. That's stupid. And right. he struggles today. I mean, naturally, and you're Corbin gonna really see... had a gem today, and they ruined it. Oh, Corbin yeah. looks so good. Yeah, you're naturally you're going to see some regression from a one-three ERA or whatever it was, but I mean, definitely not the start you would want from Will Harris. Um, but Saturday, yeah, they pitched. Well, Tanner Rainey got the win because he pitched the fifth, but. Ryan Harper, Bork, and Finnegan finished out the game. But Harper went two innings, struck out four. So that was yeah. very good to see. He did uh, look but, very good. Yeah. I think Will Harris maybe has PTSD from, and, and when he's around Howie, well, he, it's hard for him. He kept trying to throw that low in the way and he was missing. They came inside and got ropes. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, Sean Doolittle. Um, he's done. He's done. Yeah. Um, Concerning. Yeah, can we spend he, a little bit more time on this? Cause... Yeah, so I I was a little concerned in the exhibition game. He topped out at 89 miles per hour, and everyone was like, oh, you know, it's just the radar gun. And I was like, mm. I heard Mar- that, dude. My controller's broken is all I could think of. Like, but... like, Dave Martinez said that was faster than he had been throwing. And I was like, that's concerning. Because <laughs> that's not a good sign. <laughs> last You're year, not helping. That doesn't make it uh, better. <laughs> exactly. Last year, he said he pitched too much. When he pitched like 30 innings, um, he gave up nine home runs in the ninth inning, which, again, extremely concerning. But then I looked at his velocity. In 2016, he averaged 95.4 mile per hour on his fastball. 2017, it went to 94.7 and then 93.8, and then 2019, he threw 93.5. That was the slowest average fastball velocity of his career. Today, he averaged 91.5 miles per hour in this fastball. As a fastball pitcher, 
that is not good because yeah. he doesn't have and, his control. And that's it because he doesn't have, a, you know, really secondary pitches. It's like his fastball is, you know, he throws it all over. It can look like more than one pitch. But if that fastball, like 90, 91 is not a big league fastball. No, I mean, like, yeah. Uh, Sorry. I was just going to say, like, Ryan, you pointed out a track record with velocity, but this isn't something new with Doolittle. I mean, yeah, he dealt with injuries last year, but we t had this conversation last we year. We had this conversation last so year. So there's yeah. there's already a track record with it, and he had a 405 ERA last year. Again, I know there was injuries, but it's not like he was dynamite last year. So I mean, we talked about it last year. We He needs another pitch, and if he doesn't develop one, he's just going to have outings like today over and over and over again. Regardless of how much you like him, he's a very likable guy. I want the best for him, but he needs to switch it up, or otherwise he's in big trouble. Yeah. That rising fastball is, is great when it's great, but at 91.5, it's not going to get a lot of outs. So I like Doolittle a ton. I really hope that he figures it out. I don't know if, you know, it was 89 the other day in the exhibition game and 91 yesterday. Maybe he's just ramping up and he's just slower to get back up to his velocity and maybe in his next couple of outings. Yeah, he still needs right, another so last pitch. Last year was 93. To lose two miles an hour on your fastball over one offseason is weird. So if yep. there's not an injury, then, my, you know, then I expect that he's going to get back up to somewhere close to where he was last year. But more than likely he will. Like, it's been a long time. But when you look at what happened last year and all those issues with, issues with him and how he kind of, you know, lost his closing job to a guy who hated closing. And then <laughs> he comes out this year in a high-leverage situation and he blows it. Again, it was his first outing. Um, it was a yeah. long, long time since he has last pitch, so I will give him that benefit of the doubt. But there are a lot of red, red flags with him that we need to pay attention to because it's going to get to the point where he shouldn't be pitching in high-leverage situations, and they're going to keep throwing him out there. And if he's throwing 91, 92 and missing, it's not going to go very well. I can tell you that no. right now. No. I it's mean, not. A changeup's not the easiest pitch to learn to throw, but that would help him a lot. Because if he's throwing, you know, 91, but has a 82 mile an hour changeup, well, that that plays. Like that's going to keep hitters off yeah. balance. But he's relying so much on his fastball. I think Ryan, you just said it. He pitch throws a fastball over 80 percent of the time. 88.6 percent. So, yeah, so well over 80 percent of the time. Um, and when his fastball is off, like it was today, and he's walking guys, well, then he doesn't have another pitch to, to rely to rely on, to lean on, to, to carry him. Yeah, like he's you go a to lefty. a guy who's got a big arsenal of pitches, they just go to something else. They're like, eh, it's not working Right, today. exactly. It, it happens all the time. Like Max throws like six different pitches. So when one of it, when his <clears> slider's <throat> off that day, he can rely on his fastball or when vice versa or he has a change of like – that's the whole point of pitching. You don't want to rely on one or two pitches. That's why when pitchers are drafted and they only have two pitches, Joe Ross, perfect example, the first thing people say is, oh, he needs to develop a third pitch. Well, here's Sean Doolittle throwing 88.6%, only one pitch. Makes no sense. And, like, if you're going to throw 91 and be a reliever, you have to locate. And I think there's maybe been one or two relievers that I can think of who threw under, you know, 93 94 and they were successful if you're a reliever and you're relying on your fastball you got to have it like a chapman or a tanner rainey even all those guys who are pumping gas it's out have there. movement exactly like who have the late movement on it or just painting the black 
Like, especially in today's game, everyone's throwing hard, but if you have an overpowering fastball with late movement, you're fine. Now, on the other end of it, where you're throwing 91, and you're, you know, if there's no movement on it, and you don't have any other pitch, they're going to sit there and just know you're going to throw a 92-mile-per-hour fastball at their eyes. That ball's going 450. Like, we yep. saw it last yep. year, and he gave up a tank today. Yep. Did, he give up, did he give up a home yep. run Yes, he did. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Boy, yeah. I believe. Yeah, Luke Voigt, yep. So, to head off the inevitable uh, attacks we're going to get on Twitter about how we're mean because we said bad things about Sean Doolittle. <laughs> and we all like Sean Doolittle. We all want him to be I love him. He's a great guy. These concerns are real. He seems like a fantastic guy. But, you know, these concerns are real. We had them last year, and they are already manifesting themselves this year. And uh, like you said, I mean, there's a reason they brought Hudson in. Um, I don't know. I, I want they to need see them. him get it right, but unless they can get do little, like you said, unless he can develop another pitch, which honestly at this point in his career doesn't seem all that likely to me, um, or he can he can get that fastball velocity up and the movement, like so that rise when he has that rising fastball working, it's I don't know what it is. You guys know it's coming. He throws it all the time, and they swing it. They they swing and miss at it all the time yeah. when that pitch is working and he can locate that fastball in you know four or five different places and it looks like more than one pitch when his fastball's good it's really good i think but, it was actually sam Fortier's article last year where he interviewed sean doolittle and said and kind of realized that it was the rising fastball so effective because the spin makes it look like a different pitch or it makes it look like it's going to move but it doesn't move and hitters expect it to move um, and speaking of Sam Forte, he actually just texted me back, hashtag best friend. Um, he said he did not receive a World Series ring uh, because only people uh, employed or affiliated with the team get one, um, which is dumb because he deserves one way more than the junkies do. But, you know, yes. slight update on yep. that. Well, I know one person we're going to uh, run an interview here in a few minutes did get one, but we'll talk about that when we get to Ooh. our Nats stat, which we suck at, by the way, this Nats stat. We're not very good at this rapid-fire thing well, at all. in our defense, there was a lot to talk about, and we're excited. So, all right, let's, let's yeah, knock out these baseball. last few. Okay, uh, Robles, for, <laughs> Robles for MVP. He look, he look, He's looked great. Um, I hope I am wrong on my, you know, projection or outlook for him. I predicted he's going to be the next Michael A. Taylor. I hope I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong, um, but he has looked great, so... I hope he continues it. I like it. I, I'm not going to pick him for MVP before Soto has even made his first start, though. So I'm well, gonna... team MVP. Yeah, I'm still saying Soto's going. I told you. I I don't know. I was trying. I was not homering last week when we made our predictions, but then I changed my mind, and then after winning it all, and <laughs> Soto's going to be the MVP. I've I fought my homer tendencies long enough. It took one day for Amanda's plan to go completely over eye, and she's homering again. <laughs> Homering again. Um, thoughts on Robles, Brian? Um, he did this last year. He came out smoking out of the gun. Oh, that's um, true. And then everyone just threw him a curveball, and he couldn't have the curveball to save his life. So I like to see how he is in year two. I mean, week two and three. Everyone just threw him a curveball. Yeah, he saw That's <laughs> actually what happened. He saw <laughs> his percentage of seeing off-speed pitches. So I think it was like second or third in the league. Everyone just threw him off-speed, and he couldn't adjust. Um, like to see what happens in week two and three. Really hope that bat develops because he can be the leadoff hitter. Yeah, he he can be a real leadoff hitter. But the, they did the same thing to Soto. Soto struggled early, early last year because yeah, he he, everyone everyone was throwing curveballs. But yeah, like Ryan just said, 
He adjusted. Robles needs to adjust whenever that happens. Okay, Corbin. Excuse me. Is Corbin um, our ace? So from a pure pitcher standpoint, Patrick Corbin's the best pitcher on this team. Max has the ability to put his pitches wherever he wants. Strauss has the like the best stuff. His uh changeup is probably the best changeup in baseball. His curveball is filthy. But from a pure pitching standpoint, Corbin's the best pitcher on this team. I stand by that. That was my bold Hot prediction. Take. That's all I'll say. I, my bold prediction was Corbin was going to be the best pitcher of the three. Yep. Uh, I mean, if Strasburg opts out, that certainly helps the case. But uh, he, he, looked great. he looked great today. Um, also, dumb for getting the shortest leash of anyone. What? Why'd you pull him? He gave. He made well, one mistake. He gave up one homer in a game. They decided absolutely dominating the best lineup in the American League, and you pull him and bring in your bolt. I don't know. Was, they decided let him finish the, the inning. He was throwing seventy-five pitches, and every pitcher right now is on a very short leash. I know. But they're they trying to be a little more careful. They'll let Max pitch till his arm falls off. Well, he his arm fell off in the first inning because he sucked. <laughs> so that's a terrible point. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. Key boom. Um, I don't know. What, I don't Al know what they're doing with him. Is clearly going to be the everyday third baseman, and it's troubling because. Even if Cabrera looks really good, it, this guy who's been this top prospect, untouchable in trades, he's supposed to be the best we've got coming up out of the farm system. If you can't beat out Ezreal Cabrera to be the starter, like that, yeah. that if, that's, if that's yeah. the top guy, we're in trouble. That <laughs> yeah. the fact that like he's not playing is so stupid. They said he has a groin issue. That's fine. Put him in DH every single time. He needs right, let to the, develop. Right. You can't just waste him on the bench. If you're going to do that, sit him down and manipulate his time. Um, but the fact that's that he's... That's the part that's driving me nuts. Oh, my God. If you're not going to start him or he's injured, send him down. What are we yeah. doing right now? I don't now? know. It, it makes no sense. Um, maybe yeah, the Nats yeah. don't view him the same as they once did. I don't know. But the fact that he's not playing is so stupid. It's so stupid. Okay. Um, how sweet is the Nats gold collection? Other than the red hat, which is not sweet at all. The red hat oh, sucks, gorgeous. but God, those jerseys. And specific, because today was the first time I, I sat, actually sat down and watched the game. The red matte helmets with the jerseys, oh, mm-hmm. looks so yeah, good, so man. So good. So good. Champions wear gold. I bought a Howie Kendrick jersey. In the gold collection. That's sweet. I brought the Trey Turner, and uh, I was going to get myself a Corbin Navy jersey, but this all right, my hobby horse again. They still aren't selling the Navy jerseys in women's so sizes. Dumb. It pisses so me dumb. off so much. So I tried to give you guys my money. I tried to buy lots more Nats here. Sell crap in women's sizes. You have lots of female fans who will buy your stuff if you will make it for us. So Ladies and moving on. Baseball. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, we have an interview with Mr. Pete Methurst, which we're going to run for you next. He is always such a great interview. It was just me this time because Ryan was going to join me, but I guess he had better things to do or work or something. I mean, yeah. When your um, child's in the hospital, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. My cat attempted suicide, um, which, by the way, man, said was a puppy, so. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. I've got a lot of kids. They run together. You know, you forget. Anyway, Pete was awesome, as he always is, and he did get a ring because uh, he works for 106.7 over there, and I think they pretty much gave everybody who was affiliated with the, the radio station rings, but of course, Pete actually called some of the games last year, so um, anyway, here is the interview, and we will um, come back with our 
overreaction segment after that. All right, we are joined by friend of the podcast and the hardest working man in DC sports, Pete Medhurst. Pete, thanks so much for joining us again. How have you been through all this craziness? Been pretty good, Amanda. I mean, working from home has not been that bad. And, uh, you know, obviously looking forward now where hopefully baseball comes off without a hitch on Thursday at Nationals Park. And I've never been, uh, you know, so dialed into watching an exhibition game as I was uh, last night watching <laughs> the Orioles either. and the Nationals, you know, and, and felt like it was an instant replay with Howie Kendrick hitting a home run. So as far as I'm concerned, all's well with D.C. baseball right now. Oh, yeah, although I was whining a little bit on Twitter about how we had to watch the Orioles broadcast, but I will take baseball. I was only whining a little bit. <laughs> I'll take it however I can well, get it right now. We're lucky. Ours are so good that when we're not hearing them, um, you know, you you truly do appreciate, I will say this, you truly appreciate how great Charlie and Dave and Bob and FP are um, when you're not hearing them. And I, and I think that's, oh, you know, yeah. that's as high a compliment as you can pay uh, to, to both guys in, in those situations, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's been some, some uh, upheaval in the broadcast crew over with the Orioles, too. So I don't, you know, I, I don't pay so much attention to the Orioles, so I'm not as dialed in on all of that. But it was definitely good to see them in action. I was super bummed. I thought we were going to be able to watch the, the game previous. And I listened to Charlie and Dave, which is never a sacrifice. I love listening to baseball on the radio, too. But I was very ready to watch it on TV and very disappointed when we couldn't. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, I mean, in terms of, in terms of that game last night, and ironically, uh, the, the Phillies game the other night, um, we've seen, for the most part, what is, you know, pretty much going to be the everyday lineup. Uh, give or take what Davey ultimately decides to do between Keyboom and Cabrera uh, over at third mm-hmm. base. So uh, they've come out of the blocks. You know, we saw Robles uh, last night uh, as well after just getting into camp and um, showed great patience on three uh, nasty sliders out of the zone from Alex Cobb to get a walk. And, um, you know, if, if Victor can do those kinds of things, especially if he's sitting at the bottom of the lineup where Davey had him last night, you have him and Turner – uh, when that lineup turns mm-hmm. over now, you've got amazing speed at the bottom of that lineup. And that, that even though they'll attack in a different way, not having Anthony Rendon in the lineup anymore, it's still a way that can be highly productive uh, throughout the course of a game. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how uh, the, those options play out here uh, for Davey Martinez now that he'll have a full-time DH available to him uh, throughout the entire season. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting. And I have to say, Robles certainly didn't look – out of practice, he didn't look any worse for not having been in whatever we're calling this summer camp. <laughs> whatever they've been, they've been doing. He looked really good, so I, I couldn't be more excited. I, uh, we've had a sort of ongoing argument on the podcast about whether this season ought to have an asterisk or whether it, you know, it's a real baseball season. And I've been very much on the, um, I, I don't think it's the same, but I'm very excited for any kind of baseball we can get. I will watch. I just hope that hope that they can stay safe and that these protocols I'm, I'm very concerned about the travel and the 30 cities you know the other sports that are coming back have either hub cities like the nhl or the bubble like the nba and i uh, i have pretty strong concerns about how it's going to play out but i sure hope that that they're able to, to pull it off because it would sure be great to get any baseball we can get yeah i don't think there's any question because it's such an unknown right now 
with the with the virus and obviously you know timing of a vaccine uh, so far tests on it appear to be well just saw read about another one in the UK uh, that's going very well at this time so you know you're you're hopeful um, that you know look NASCAR has continued on Jimmy Johnson uh, had it briefly uh, with no ill effects uh, but at the same time, you watch Freddie Freeman, and we read about his story where, you know, at one point his mm-hmm. temperature had spiked at 104.5. So uh, that's almost unheard of. And uh, It's a scary you know, fever. That, that, right. And if that happens when you're around your entire team, that per se, um, how long does the entire team have to sit out? 14 days? If so, I mean, it's, you know, probably 13, 14 games that they're going to miss. And how do you account for that? Um, and I'm not even sure, I'm not even, I'm sure behind the scenes they've brought those scenarios up, but I think like everybody else, they're hopeful they won't have to worry about that. Um, you know, you can replace one guy uh, when you have a 30-man roster and a 60-player pool. Mm-hmm. You can't replace an entire team, though, uh, if a bunch of guys get it. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens if, God forbid, something like that uh, does occur. Uh, with another club but you know at the same time we don't know if we can persevere if we don't try to and I think that's where we're at with a lot of business you know I think that's where we're at with a lot of businesses and everyday life and I think that's where we are right now with sports golf is you know powered on NASCAR has powered on they had 30,000 people at Bristol uh, the other night so you know without knowing a lot of people get sick at Bristol um, you know, if people, you know, manage to just do the fundamental basics of wearing a mask in public, um, and, 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 you know, I know it may be uncomfortable, but, you know, Amanda, we can't trust where other people have been. And, yeah. you know, it, it, all it takes is one person being near you who coughs or sneezes in your direction, and you just don't know what can happen. So if you have the mask on and, and you have at least a, a modicum of protection from inhaling that, um, then you know, then you got a chance to continue to fight this thing until we can get uh, some kind of vaccine. So, um, you know, at some point you've got to try and live and you've got to try and persevere. And I think we've, you know, we've certainly found what is it, what basic steps we can take in everyday life to try and reduce, um, you know, the chances to get this virus. And in many ways, it's like the flu and like other illnesses. It's completely random that you get it. And in this case, you know, we're, we're, we're hopeful every day that we can continue through life um, and, and not get this dreaded virus right now because it's obviously caused a, a humongous problem uh, here in North America. Yeah, it's, it's really, I, you know, the whole thing with Canada not allowing people to come to play in Toronto, I mean, it was disappointing, but at the same time, I sort of felt like, well, I mean, you look at the numbers in Canada and you look at the numbers in the U.S. and, you know, the, the Canadian government's job is to protect the whole Canadian population and we all miss baseball, but it really kind of made sense to me that they wouldn't want people traveling in and out of the U.S. right now with the numbers we have here. So um, that's another question I wanted to run by you. You hearing anything? I know you're pretty plugged into the baseball world about what Toronto's going to do or where they're going to wind up playing their home games. Well, I mean, I, I think as I tweeted yesterday, you know, every you know every couple of minutes we saw a story. This stadium, that stadium. They're talking to this team. They're talking to that team. Frankly, every stadium east of the Mississippi right now is probably under consideration by the Blue Jays. Uh, the the problem is this, you know, you if you're if you're say you lease your stadium out to the Blue Jays, you're now 
increasing the number of people that blow through your clubhouses by two more teams. Because you may be mm -hmm. out of town, but two more teams are coming into town to use your stadium. So now you have increased the amount of traffic coming through your clubhouses, uh, you know, by twice as many people. And I think that's where we run into a little bit of an issue here in terms of them using a major league stadium. I think ultimately the, the compromise is going to have to be them using Buffalo, their AAA affiliate, and playing day games. The lighting there, none of the minor league stadiums meet major league baseball lighting requirements. So if they do play uh, in Buffalo, uh, I do believe it's going to be day games so they don't have to worry about the lighting, which at least at this point is not bad. If you were to have to play day games in Dunedin, Florida, where their spring training uh, camp is, it would just be stifling uh, throughout the day. And you yeah, couldn't the play would be unbelievable. Right. You couldn't play day games there. So uh, I believe it, I, my, my hunch is it's going to be Buffalo and it's going to be day games. Uh, when they play at home, because I just don't know how they can ask Major League Baseball and other Major League clubs to allow that much more traffic to come through their clubhouses uh, from a safety protocol issue right now. What do you think about all the chatter regarding the Rangers um, decommissioned stadium that they're not using anymore? It's, it's not East Coast, and it increases the travel requirement, which is the problem, but it, it almost seems like you have an, a Major League Baseball stadium that's not being used that might be the thing that makes the most sense. Well, I mean, it could because at least it would give you a place that no one else is coming through um, at this point. Uh, at this, but you're also asking that stadium and the people there uh, to try and get things up to speed very quickly here. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I, again, you're asking people to do uh, yeoman's work here uh, in a short amount of time. If that could be done, then certainly – it has to be on the table uh, because, again, you want to play in as major league-type facility uh, as possible, and that would at least give you the chance uh, to do that. Now, Buffalo's proximity, you know, in the Northeast where the teams they're playing, a uh, bulk of the schedule against, um, probably mm -hmm. bodes better. But at the same time, you've got to weigh – minor league stadium versus major league stadium. And, and the question to ultimately would be, what has been the upkeep of that stadium uh, since obviously the Rangers were going to move into a new ballpark? So that's yeah, also that's a, a huge concern. What, what, what is the condition of the field and how much upkeep um, has it undertaken uh, since uh, obviously they were going to be moving to a new ballpark? So as long as the field is fine, I, I don't see why they couldn't do that. But at the same time, you geographically regionalize the schedules for a reason, and this would somewhat defeat that purpose a little bit. But, again, I think they all thought they were going to be able to play in Toronto. And, you know, I, look, I mean, the, the local and municipal governments approved it. It was the top branch, the federal branch in Canada, uh, that knocked it down and said no. Uh, I think the fact that they're already letting the NHL use Toronto as a hub city uh, for hockey – probably mm -hmm. plays into this decision a little bit, in my opinion. I just think they thought maybe it was going to be too much activity uh, going on uh, in Toronto at this point because I would love to know where they were, would house everybody because 
it has to be a fairly significant strain on the local hotels and stuff like that uh, based on what they're doing for hockey alone. So, you know, maybe the... Yeah, maybe you've got the, half the, the NHL right now. <laughs> going to be in Toronto. It's yeah. going to be tough to find. Right. Yeah. So, so perhaps the, 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 you know, the feds in, in Canada thought, you know, hey, we've already got enough people here. We don't need to be cycling through another, you know, by my count, at least 10 teams uh, coming through uh, Toronto and just adds even more uh, to the plate. So uh, not surprised, not surprised ultimately that the Blue Jays were shut out uh, of Toronto. If I think, if, again, if hockey wasn't a hub city there, they might have had a much better chance. Yeah, that makes good sense. Okay, let's talk a little bit of um, position stuff for the Nats. Um, what do you think are their biggest questions going in? I mean, since such a such a weird off season, I you know the the it seems crazy that the last time we saw them play a real game was them winning the World Series. It feels like a lifetime ago now, when it was only back in October. But um, what do you see now? Obviously, Rendon being gone is a gaping wound in the in the lineup. Um, it, I just saw something this morning I, from somebody who's saying that. Davies kind of decided, it seems like, that Castro is going to take that, that spot in the lineup. I mean, kind of just what are your thoughts on what are the biggest questions that they have? Um, bullpen is less of a question than it had been in the past. And uh, especially I'd like your thoughts on Keyboom, who seems to always be not quite ready, is my impression. Ultimately, um, you know, start with, with, start with Carter first. Um, you know, right now he's ultimately, you know, going to be feast or famine. Um, he's proven everything he can do at AAA. Um, is he ultimately what we call a 4A player? You know, a guy that's probably slightly mm -hmm. above AAA but not quite good enough um, at the big league level? I mean, until you let him play and just throw him out there and let him play, you just don't know. I mean, you, you really don't. Uh, the projections – you know, for, for Starlin Castro um, are good. Um, you know, what he's accomplished over the last few years, um, I, I think he would certainly take. Uh, I mean, it's the guy that, you know, over the last four years, is at 21, 16, 12, and then 22 home runs last year. And, you know, he's done it in uh, big environments. He's done it with the Cubs. He's done it with the Yankees. So he's been in places, ultimately, the last two years in Miami where there's no pressure, but he's been on ball clubs where the pressure uh, is extensive. And we've seen him be a, a four-time All-Star. Uh, we saw him, you know, essentially get, uh, you know, in the MVP uh, conversation back in 2011. I mean, this is a guy that's been through uh, many battles. He's been a durable guy. Uh, for the most part, 154 games two years ago, 162 games uh, last season. So this is a guy that shows up every day to play, and I have to believe that now you put him in a in a culture um, that is significantly better, certainly as it pertains to winning, that I think you're going to get an even uh, a better ball player and a happier guy. And if Castro somehow gives you 22 home runs, 86 RBIs, if he could duplicate what he did last year, you know, I, I think Nats fans would be tickled pink um, with that. Yeah. You don't have to have a guy. I would be. You don't have to have, yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to have a guy. People look at it as, you know, replacing one player for another. You don't necessarily have to have one guy replace Rendon's 
uh, contributions, because that's darn near impossible. But yes, it is. Astro in front of Soto, Kendrick behind Soto is how he did last night. Those guys just play reasonably above average baseball, then this team's going to be fine simply based on the starting pitching, uh, certainly in the first four spots uh, in its rotation. So maybe you don't score five or six runs um, a ball game at times, but certainly as this pitching staff has proven to us, you give those guys four runs or more, um, you're pretty much home free. So I yeah, think that's, that's a good all point. Davey's looking for. Yeah, I also think that the, the, the bullpen is mightily improved going into the season than it was last year. And, you know, if you think, okay, you can't maybe replace all of Rendon's production if the bullpen's not blowing leads, that the starters, you know, left with, you know, one or two runs on the board and the bullpen blows it, then there, maybe you don't need as much production. Maybe you don't need five or six runs a game to win those ball games that you needed last year. So, you know, um, obviously losing Rendon hurts, but I do think that, They've done a, a pretty reasonable job in the offseason trying to kind of cobble together a replacement for the production that you're losing there. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, obviously having Hudson and Doolittle uh, for an entire campaign uh, I think would be, uh, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, you can't ask for better than that. You can go righty, lefty. Uh, you don't have to overwork one guy. Uh, as your back-end high-stress reliever. Like poor Doolittle um, last year. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, look, in April, I mean, in April, basically Sean's arm was about to fall off because Davey had no one else he could trust to, to at that time to get out. And the amazing thing is when you watch, and, and I'll go back and, and, and bring up Kyle Bearclaw, when you watch, if you were to just show up at a, a mound and you watched Kyle Bearclaw throw a bullpen session, Amanda, that guy, you're, you're going to walk away from that bullpen session going, that is a major league pitcher. That's a guy that we could use in our bullpen and, and, and get some production from. And then ironically, I mean, some guys have great stuff. Some guys have great bullpen stuff, uh, but they don't take it to the mound with them. And, and whether it's a physical thing or a mental thing, um, it's, really, it's, really a tough, it's really tough to watch some of these guys um, you know, like right now, I mean, you know, Wander Suero, as he started to develop that cutter a little bit more and extensively and say, all right, this is my go-to pitch and have confidence in it, he improved as a reliever as the season went along. Right now, is Ronas uh, Ilias going to be healthy enough to contribute for this team? Obviously on the injured list already, was on the injured list last year after coming over uh, from Seattle. I I'm encouraged to see what Ryan Harper uh, develops into. I thought his inning last night against the Orioles was filthy. Um, and, you know, here's a guy that at 30 years of age, finally getting his shot at the big league level, um, will likely pitch to contact um, some. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, last year in Minnesota struck out 50 guys in 54 in, in a third innings and only walked 10 batters. So, you know, if I only walk 10 guys and I give up a hit now and then, I can pitch around that. So if you're not putting extra runners on base with a lack of control, um, then I think that's a guy that has a chance uh, to stick and help out. And, you know, look, from day one since he was acquired, we know what Tanner Rainey has. 
We know physically he has everything you ask of a, a, a hard-throwing, late-inning reliever uh, out there in the bullpen. Uh, it's just the consistency that you're looking for, um, you know, the mental toughness uh, to, to, you know, make tough pitches, uh, being able to throw something more than your fastball uh, when you're behind in the count as a, as a pitcher. So, I mean, look, major, major league hitters – show us every day you can throw it up there 98 99 miles an hour they can still square it up and hit it a long way but when his slider is on he's he's as filthy as it can be um in the back end of that bullpen so i am I'm, I'm really i'm really excited to see where he will be during the course of this season because again he's another guy that if we go out and watch a bullpen session take the uniform off of him and just watch him throw a bullpen session, that's a guy that you walk away going, that's big league stuff. That's a big league arm. And Tanner at times last year showed us he had that makeup and had the physical tools um, to be that guy uh, for this club. And this year I think he's clearly going to have to take uh, another step in that direction uh, to potentially being uh, an eighth-inning guy at times uh, for Davey, especially um, if he's giving Huddy uh, or do a day off uh, in the back end of that bullpen. Because in a 60-day sprint, the way this thing is shaping up, um, you're going to have to manage your bullpen properly uh, to make sure those guys uh, stay effective for you out there. And I think Rainey uh, is a huge key uh, to being able to maintain uh, Hudson uh, and Doolittle uh, for the entire sprint. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and it's really going to be interesting that the bullpen has a lot of fascinating stories to watch and it's going to be such a quick it's going to be such a quick season that it's going to I think seem like by the time we settle in we're already eyeballing the the playoffs which actually segues me into my next question what do you think about the Nats chances here the NL East is a is a buzzsaw to borrow a phrase um it's you know one of the best divisions in baseball and there's we just talked about this um a couple of episodes ago on the podcast that you know you can actually make an argument for any of you know four out of the five teams in the division winning it. Um, what are your thoughts on the NL East in particular? And then also just um, what do you think, who do you think we're going to see in the World Series, I guess, would be if you have a prediction for who you think is going to get to the well, get to the end of this one. First of all, in the division, with the Syndergaard injury, um, no one can match the Nationals in top four spots in rotation. Um, the Nationals by far have the deepest rotation. The key is, if you, when do you face the Mets? And when you face the Mets, does DeGrom go against Scherzer or Strasburg, um, you know, in a battle of ones, uh, you know, because obviously Strauss would be a one uh, on many staffs as well. I mean, it's virtually, I mean, him, Corbin, you could, I mean, you could argue that Scherzer, Corbin, and, and Strasburg are all one, one A, one B, whatever, uh, in some way, shape, or form with those mm -hmm. three guys. Now, when you face DeGrom, does DeGrom face your number one, or is he facing Fetty or both based on the schedule sometimes? Uh, those kind of things within the schedule are going to be, um, I think, important when you play head-to-head -head against teams in your division, most certainly the Mets, uh, because of facing Jacob DeGrom and how effective uh, he can be. You can have your number one guy out there, but you could lose to DeGrom 2-1 to one or one nothing very easily. So I think how the schedule falls, um, makes a difference here. But in terms of rotational depth, nobody has what the Nats have, and that 
that's what gives Washington ultimately um, every chance uh, to be competitive and potentially win the division. Look at look at the way the record turned around after 19 and 31. I mean, that's an amazing stretch of baseball, but that's because Sanchi got healthy after coming off of uh, the injured list, and you basically had a big four in your rotation um, that at times was, for a while, there was virtually unbeatable. Uh, you know, I mean, you'd play two weeks of baseball, you'd play 14 games, you'd win 11 or 12 of those. You, you do that, um, you're going to win a, a lot of baseball games. As I mentioned earlier, certainly – you know, I, I watched the Phillies the other night. I believe the Gregorius acquisition is going to be critical for Philadelphia because I do believe he adds a little bit more consistent punch uh, for them uh, in their lineup. Uh, obviously, Bryce is Bryce. Um, Hoskins is Hoskins. And, uh, you know, Real Muto is Real Muto. So that is a very competent lineup. Um, you know, the addition of Gregorius, I think, helps the Phillies tremendously, uh, makes the, the, the lineup even deeper now. The question for them, as always, after you get by Aaron Nola, for the most part, how consistent will the other arms be uh, for Philadelphia? The Mets, we know they can rake. The question is, how do they, you know, replace Syndergaard's production? Uh, what will the back end of their bullpen uh, look like? The Braves, like the Nationals, a couple of great young stars. Um, there's enough pitching there for them uh, to obviously be there. Uh, the entire way, and, you know, they're a team also that last year the back end of their bullpen was chaotic uh, at times. And and when you look at this entire division, Amanda, that was the one thing that throughout the course of the year, the reason why some of those teams couldn't put the Nationals away early in the season when they were struggling was they had the exact same bullpen issues that the Nationals were having. So yes. uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what the back end's of those bullpens within the division uh, look like. Ultimately, you know, Cardinals are going to be good. Um, Cubs are going to be very competitive, obviously changing managers with David Ross over there now. I think Cincinnati is going to be a pest. Uh, I, I think that's a club to keep an eye on. Uh, out west, the Dodgers, um, I don't want to say the Dodgers are so much better than everybody else that that's unfair to put those kind of expectations on them. But my goodness, yeah, but I think if, it might be fair. Mookie, <laughs> if Mookie Betts even resembles what Mookie Betts is supposed to look like and Bellinger semi-repeats what he did last year, um, they have such a great mix of young and veterans, uh, a great mix on the pitching staff of young and, and old. Uh, they've got a big arm in the back end of the bullpen. So they're built correctly. They're built correctly. But are the Do I almost wonder now, are the Dodgers – becoming the Atlanta Braves of the 90s. They win so many games in the regular season. They're almost an automatic in their division, but yet when postseason comes, the baseball gods are seemingly looking the other way. It's, in, it's uncanny what has happened to them and how it has happened to them uh, in the postseason. Over on the other side, I mean, in the American League, certainly the Cole acquisition helps the, the Yankees. Ironically, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I went back and I looked at Garrett Cole's career path. And obviously playing with the Pirates, you're kind of in an unheralded you know, situation that not many people are, are paying attention to. But certainly he has arrived now in, in the peak of his career. And if he duplicates what he did in Houston, um, but also remember, we've seen a lot of guys with tremendous ability go to New York and 
goofy things happen to them, almost like it's the Bermuda Triangle. Um, if Cole gives them what he's capable of, um, they are really, really tough out uh, in the American League, in my opinion. The Central Division, I believe the White Sox are on the move. Are they better than Cleveland? They could be. Are they yet? No, you can't say that yet. Um, ironically, Lucas Giolito making the opening day start for them. Uh, you know, Robert, the rookie, potential rookie of the year candidate, uh, is, is terrific. You look out west, I mean, Rendon's going to help the Angels. He's going to help Trout. But Anthony doesn't pitch. And, you know, obviously having Otani back to pitch at least once a week for them now, as they've announced he is going to do, that's going to help the Angels' rotation. The question is, is the depth of the rotation uh, good enough to hold off what will always be a spunky Oakland team with another Nats uh, former farmhand and Jesus Lazardo, who looks like he's going to be an absolute superstar. And I know it's, mm-hmm. it's easy to sit there and look back on those trades and go, man, it'd be great to have Giolito and Lazardo right now. But those are trades that help both teams. The Nats needed Sean Doolittle and Ryan Matson at the time they acquired them uh, for Lazardo. And Adam Eaton, I think, is certainly his clutch play in the playoffs makes, you know, the trade a win for both sides. Um, but think about this. Giolito's the only guy in that trade that's really now come through for the White Sox. Um, and obviously he's come through as a top-line starter, but he was not exhibiting those tendencies at the time the trade was made. Perhaps the maturity light finally came on for him. But obviously Mike knew he was a good pitcher because uh, they drafted him. So, um you know, from that standpoint, you know, the, the West is, is always going to be interesting. But, you know, Oakland, uh, in my mind, is going to be there. I, I like their young players. And, um, you know, the question becomes is how much, you know, rotational depth uh, do the Angels have now that they've got an amazing punch with Trout uh, and Rendon uh, in the middle of that lineup right now. But, you know, obviously I think right now the American League, uh, you know, is the Yankees, the Astros, and, you know, the, the, look, I, I know the Astros are not going to get, you know, the, quote, public shaming that they probably deserve uh, because it's only a 60-game schedule. But, Amanda, they're not going away. They're not going no. away. I mean, it's it's likely going to come down to Although it pains the, me that the they Nets. won't have to get booed in every stadium. I, I was, I was <laughs> very much looking forward to watching that. <laughs> well, I, I know Nats fans were looking forward to the visit on July 4th at the Astros. Uh, we're, we're going to make, um, you know, a, a rematch of the World Series. But but you know what, though? They're not going away. Cheating or not cheating, they are an amazing ball club. Uh, they're still a very talented ball club. Uh, and, look, everybody always looks for an edge in this game. You know, guys at second base are always signaling, um, you know, what, uh, what pitch is coming as it is. Uh, how much all of the trash can banging and things of that nature – Uh, helped over the course of 162 games remains to be seen. Because the the sad thing about the whole scandal, Amanda, is there are so many talented baseball players on that team, and this overshadows all of Mm -hmm. that. It tarnishes everything they've accomplished, for sure. Look, George Springer is one of my favorite players in Major League Baseball, irregardless of team. And I enjoy watching George Springer play. But now he's identified – with that organization, and until, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take that organization to overcome um, the allegations uh, of that scandal. 
and and it takes away yeah. from the careers of some really really uh, fantastic players. But they're not going away. They're going to be there. The Yankees are going to be there. I think Oakland's going to be a pest again uh, from from out west. And you have to believe the Angels are going to be better in some uh, capacity. But there's no guarantee they're going to have the pitching to compete. They're just going to have to bring the lumber and out hit people. Yeah. So what do you think? Who's coming out of, of each league? I think in the I think in the National League, I think it comes down ultimately to the Nats and the Dodgers. And and look, the Braves had a great year last year. They won ninety seven games. Um, you know, they've got a rock of a leader on that team in Freddie Freeman. I'm not I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to count the Braves out after the season they had last year. And over the American League side, I, I like Yankees Astros. Uh, it, it's it's one of those two teams. So um, unless I'm proven wrong, you know, Milwaukee will always be a dark horse in the American League as well. And like I said, I think Cincinnati's going to be a pain in the rear end uh, for for people as well. But ultimately, I think the Nats and Dodgers decide uh, the, the National League, and I think the Yankees and Astros decide the American. We might wind up with yet another boring Yankees-Dodgers World Series. <laughs> well, it can happen. You know, if, if, if they are as good as the ones that were played in the mid-'70s when Reggie Jackson hit three home runs in one game and, and, and stuff like that, uh, those clubs were ridiculous. I'll tell you what, I, I feel sorry for Dave Roberts because I think he's done a heck of a job as a manager, and he doesn't have – the hardware really to show for it. And I wonder if no, I was really wondering doesn't. at times. Yeah, I mean I wonder if at times he's almost gonna be like the Tony Dungy of uh you know of, of baseball where he wins a lot of games and eventually Tony finally broke through. Uh, the question is is when is Dave gonna finally break through or is another manager gonna break through with the culture that he set there in LA, which is very, very good I might add. Um so uh, that that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be an interesting Interesting situation to watch. But look at what Davey Martinez did. You know, he got the ship turned around in Washington uh, and eventually broke through. So uh, those guys, as we know, those guys are ready to run through the wall for Davey because he's got a lot of trust in them. And they have a lot of trust in him as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So before I let you go, I want to thank you again for joining us. I always appreciate your time. I know you are incredibly busy. You have like 35 jobs. But um, I have one more question not baseball-related for you before I let you go, which is what do you think of all this chatter about you being the possible replacement for Larry Michael? <laughs> Call a Redskins game. Um, you know, it's so funny. I, I am humbled that so many people on social media uh, think, of, think that highly of me in the first place. It is incredibly humbling. You know, I, I have the pleasure of being involved with two amazing organizations right now, the United States Naval Academy and um, the Washington Nationals. Um, certainly, if the Redskins – don't, first of all, I don't believe I'm high profile enough for the Redskins, but if they, if they wanted to have a conversation, you would be a fool not to sit down and have a conversation. And it appears that certainly if reports today um, are accurate, Julie Donaldson from NBC Sports Washington is – join the organization and may ultimately be the one that makes that decision. Certainly you would, you would sit down and have to have a conversation uh, about it. I mean, I believe my experience and what I have done certainly speaks for itself. Um, but there are also a number of amazing broadcasters out there uh, who they could consider uh, as well. But in terms of experience, 
and, and what I've done, I mean, that, that'll stand on its, that'll stand on its own. And, you know, at that point they would have to make um, what I think will be a very difficult decision because there's going to be a number of. There's uh, a lot of talent out there as always. in this area yeah. for sure that are, that are local. Well, you've got my vote. Not that my vote counts for anything, but. <laughs> I think you I appreciate fantastic. it greatly. Thank you again. I really appreciate you joining us. We always love having you on. Can you give our listeners your social media handles real quick so they can follow you if they don't sure. already? Absolutely. Very simple. Uh, on Twitter, at Pete Medhurst, and uh, on Instagram, Pete underscore Medhurst, and also on Facebook, at Pete Medhurst. I don't do anything flashy. I simply keep it simple for people. If they <laughs> want to find you, they're going to type in your name first. I figure, hey, this is the easiest yeah. way to go on social media. Yes, that is definitely the easiest way to go. Well, thank you again. Um, I hope you are doing well. Everybody in your life stays happy and healthy, and hopefully we will check in with you again when we have some actual games to discuss. You got it. Same to all, all of your listeners and to your families as well. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, Pete. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks, Amanda. Be good. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, as always, to Pete for joining us. Um, always love talking to him. He is a great guy and a great friend of the show. Um, you can follow him, if you guys don't already, at Pete Medhurst on Twitter. And I think his handles on the other social media are similar, although he did mention it in the interview. So make sure you check him out. Also, um, I'm advocating for him to be the new voice of the Redskins. I mean, Washington. That would be awesome. I, yeah, I, hope, I think he I would be amazing at it, actually. He's done play-by-play -play for a million things. And Including Navy football, a, so he could transfer right. to that to uh he could really easily and he's a local yeah. kid grew up yeah. in in suburban maryland like he's a perfect choice so whatever a redskins decision makers are listening to our podcast we're voting for we're voting for pete Medhurst. So. right i mean i don't want all of our best friends that we interview to transfer from nats to redskins like sam already did and like pete is hopefully going to do but i wish him the best and i, I hope he does get that job because he deserves you know a starting gig yeah, he would be awesome at it. All right, so um, next segment, instead of Twitter questions tonight, we're going to mix it up a little bit, and we are going to do the old DC overreaction, which is fun because we all tweet like a bunch of, you know, over, I don't even Never know. Never overreacted a day in my life. Never, ever? <laughs> Never, ever. Not even Nats Twitter is just absolutely a dumpster fire every time the Nats are losing, so there's always plenty of overreaction. <coughs> um, and when they're winning, actually. So let's, let's go, to the, let's go to the best ones we've got. Um, at Bring Back Beagle said, not an overreaction. This is just facts. Michael A. Taylor should start in the center. Yeah, so this is what um, I classify <laughs> as hate speech. Um, it's a hate this crime. This is just, yeah, this, oh, I hated it. Uh, this is just <laughs> unreal. This is slander. This is label. Um, it's every federal offense you could have with speech. This is just atrocious. Um, now, next question. <laughs> Ryan, I will say he did tweet back at me, and he said, after today's game, and he said, I apologize for anything I said before. So <laughs> he took it back. <laughs> so took this, it back. this is a classified... As a stage Sorry, five overreaction, you're yep. the stage five clinger of overreactions. Yeah, yeah. and it, yeah. it's that, you know, the morning after a realization of what you did the night before. Um, mm -hmm. he, he woke up the next morning and realized what he said, and he took it back. So yeah. we were all Your goggles came off, and you were yeah. like, oh, my God, it's Michael A. Taylor. Yep, yeah, we, we've all been there. 
Anyway, yeah, and I noticed that uh, you tweeted right back at him when he sent this in today and said Beagle is overrated, which is also hate speech, and you need to take it back. He took back his. You need to take that back, sir. I'll think about it. He's not even on the caps anymore. I don't care. Next question. At Keyboom Smashes. Oof. That's tough. That's tough. Carter Keyboom should be starting it short over Trey because the Trey sucks. So I'm pretty happy that um, Spencer Keyboom has a burner account because Spencer Keyboom blocked me on Twitter. So this is pretty cool that I can interact with him now. This is a stage nine of reaction. Stage um, nine. So out of well, five. <laughs> yeah, out of five. Well, I do think that Trey Turner is not going to become that player he has the potential to be. I think he is just an above-average shortstop. Like, he's playing right now. He's fast. He's going to make mistakes. I think that's who he is. He should not be on the bench. He should play every single day. So should Keyboom, but it should not be a shortstop. Yeah, Okay. if you think Trey's bad... Keyboom's worse, but this is overreaction. We, we realize that our, our our fans, our heaters, I love, I love that. the heat. I love yeah, the I, lo- heat. I love it. I love it. Um, I, I appreciate love it, it. But baseball's back, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, Carter Keyboom, not the answer. But I agree with Ryan to an extent. I don't. I, I was buying into the hype of possible like Trey MVP, not quite that level, but like that you know breakout season. But this might just be who he is. He might be, you know, uh, not a leadoff hitter, but he bats leadoff because of his speed. And he might have average to below average defense, but have range. So I love we'll Trey. see. We keep yeah. we keep talking about that season, but like, I, I yeah, we don't know. Coming. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Yeah, we'll see. But not looking good. All right, next one. At Anthony Dizzle 47 says, Trey Turner is the worst player in Major League history, and the Nats will have the best bullpen in Major League history. Harper for Cy Young. So here's the thing. That's that's a lot of fire right there in that. We tweeted out we wanted your overreactions, and Anthony did not disappoint. (laughs) Straight up round of applause for knowing what this segment is about and coming out strong. That's that's MVP like behavior I respect right it. here, baby. I respect the hell out of it. <laughs> no days off. That's a Jordan like game. <laughs> Jordan flu game. <laughs> Which we all now know wasn't the flu, but that's cool. Whoa, spoiler alert Any- on the episode. <laughs> if you haven't watched it by now. Um, okay, at National Post says, thoughts and opinions. This is not a hot take. This is a question. Thoughts and opinions on the players <laughs> kneeling during the anthem. I'm thrilled to see them use their platform to ignite change in this mess of a country. So here's the thing. Um, One, I love that players are kneeling. Two, the whole thing that Major League Baseball did of putting um, BLM behind the mound, having all the players kneel, um, holding a black rope with Morgan Freeman, narrating it, that was the most performative thing I've ever seen in my life. It kind of diluted the entire situation and the entire platform and this entire movement that we're seeing right now. It was pointless. Um, The fact that they did that and then every single player stood up for the national anthem, you want to make a point, you stand down on one knee and go, hey, yeah, we're all in this together. We're allies. And then you kneel through the national anthem saying, we're here with you. But they all stood up, and the whole thing became performative. That's my hot take. The whole thing was performative. And I think, I don't know, I heard somebody say this, and it really struck me as, as 
an interesting perspective on it is the reason that none of the sports leagues, NFL, MLB, would touch any of this stuff before is because they thought it was bad for their bottom line. They didn't want to get involved in it because financially they thought it would hurt them. And the fact that they're willing to get involved with it now is because financially they think it'll help them. So there's nothing exactly. there's nothing real about any of this. Yeah. There's nothing heartfelt. All this is all just a bunch of BS <clears throat> to me. Exactly. Like, like, like you said, performative is the perfect word. It was nothing more than a stop in the direction of the whole thing that's going on in the country because now it's more popular than it was before. It wasn't brave or stunning or any of the things I heard mm -hmm. it described as it was it, at this point it's safe and there's absolutely nothing that's controversial about it and they're not I don't know I, I wasn't that impressed yeah. I mean you I guess I, I guess it's good that they're they're trying to like show their support of it but it I don't know it meant nothing to me I don't think it was it you was can tell in any way it wasn't genuine and like you can tell that this is what the owners forced the players to do like it honestly felt like they're coerced in it and I legitimately believe that the Nats Sorry, that Mark Lerner told people not to kneel because we know he's buddy-buddy with a very certain president. Um, I do very much believe that. And, like, it's the point about how now it helps. Like, look at Target. When um, the Target in Minneapolis got burnt to the ground, they're like, we stand by you. We understand this. We're going to keep paying everyone. The very next day, they donated $50 million to the Minneapolis Police Department. Like, it's all performative crap just because they know it's going to help, but behind the scenes, none of them give a single rat's ass, even though they should. Yeah, uh, it's 100% performative, and for the biggest reason to me is, like, opening day, first game, Nats-Yankees, awesome. Everyone knelt, which at the time seemed awesome, but then you saw more and more teams do it, right? And then you got the sense of just how performative it was. But then I don't remember if it was the Giants-Dodgers game afterwards or a game the next day, but when they were doing it, and keep in mind, it wasn't even while the, the national anthem was being played. It was prior to that where yep. they all grabbed the black rope. Not even all of them knelt. Like what? What? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, kneel? and I gotta it's tell you, I've got. It's not yeah, disrespectful it is, in the I've first place. Tell you, but I've got a different perspective on this. I think I've been in the military, and for people who have been in the military, the idea of kneeling during the national anthem is like anathema. Like I understand what it's what the what the the message is behind it, and I I appreciate and support the message that's behind it. But I also think that for the guys who don't want to kneel, where they might say, I support what this stands for, but I don't want to kneel. And now they're being attacked for not kneeling as if they've done something wrong. So just like having the league, like make everyone participate in this, it not only was performative, but I think divisive. Well, no, well, but that, the but here's the thing. And, and, well, no, hold, that's my point though, is that this act of them grabbing the rope or whatever, it wasn't even during the, the anthem. If someone doesn't want to kneel during the anthem, that's perfectly fine. But you would think that they would stand in solidarity. Like when Mookie Betts knelt during the anthem, Cody Bellinger put his hand on Mookie Betts' shoulder, but Cody Bellinger still stood. And, and that's fine. I'm not saying everyone has to kneel, but for this act or whatever you want to call it, there's no disrespect to anyone if you knelt. That, that's all, that's right. all my point is. I get because it. Because it wasn't during the anthem. I just also think that by making, by making it into this big thing league-wide that everyone oh, participated in, I also think Super formative, you, yeah. It, it is, and it, and it also made it so I think it probably created some strife within the clubhouses for who knelt and who didn't kneel and who, who knelt during the anthem and who knelt before and who didn't kneel at all. And, like, it becomes a distraction, and it becomes something that I think might cause more problems than it than, – because it's not heartfelt from the owners at all, 
to me, I don't know. To me, it just it, it all felt cheap. I guess. Well, the, a couple things. Backing up a little bit, I come from a military family. I've I have family members who are overseas right now. Kneeling their national anthem has absolutely nothing to do with the military. There's no disrespect towards that whatsoever. That's something I very wholeheartedly believe in. Um, I have a lot of family members who have served a lot. And like I said, I have family members over there now. Two, the distraction is sports. Okay, This whole thing is showing that you're standing up against this 400 long year system of oppression and systemic racism like mm -hmm. civil rights sorry civil rights and equality is not some hot topic like people lose their minds over this and i'm like they just want like equality that's all this is right but it's right become very political is the problem it's become it's, very political it's become it political be. because look who's leading it a bunch of fascists a bunch of racists like i don't care right. if this offends people listening to this like it's not political it's human rights and that but okay i well i have to tell you i understand what you're saying but it absolutely is political i mean you could say it shouldn't be political but it's 100 percent is political well it's political it's, by the same person who made a, a virus political like we all know where it comes from Hate. but it's always been political it's been political for you know what i'm saying it's it's not i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just saying that it is a political issue and i think that getting too far into the weeds of politics i'm glad they acknowledged it is there's a lot going on in this country it would have felt wrong to ignore it and not acknowledge what was happening but again i i don't think there was anything they're doing this now because they're they feel like it's safe and it's not going to hurt their bottom line i, I don't agree. I don't yeah. know that but I don't know that there's any I don't know that they've accomplished anything by doing it I guess is what I'm saying when when you look at it it wasn't <clears throat> some they took a stand and did something that was controversial at all do you know what I'm saying I don't mean I mean, I mean yes, I agree. for sure the uh, meanwhile the Rays uh, love um, Tampa Bay Rays are quickly becoming my number two team I mean they're donating to all these these causes that's actually doing something um, but yeah kneeling down before the anthem before the game uh, it's I yeah, guess solidarity. It's, it, 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 yeah, it's performative. Right. It doesn't really. It doesn't make a difference. I, I, final and their, point. Their uh, owner is putting their money where their mouth is. Like exactly, they and, and that, that's making a change. It. That's doing something. Final point I'll say yeah. about this, and is that Colin Kaepernick obviously started this whole thing. Um, as it, well, let me specify. Started the the anthem thing, not not bringing light to to you know all the issues going on, um, but he. People forget, at first, he sat down during the anthem, and then once he got the backlash for that, he went and spoke to people in the military, and that was when uh, the military member, I believe he was in uh, the Marines, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he said that kneeling would be a, a fine compromise of showing respect without, you know, completely, di or, let me back But it was still bringing attention to the issue. Right, yeah, thank And you. I understand, and I'm just say. saying that for a lot of people, it, it, it hits a nerve that, it you know these aren't people that oh if you if you think kneeling during the anthem is is disrespectful then you're a racist and I think it gets it gets politicized that way and I I just think there are a lot of people for whom they support the message but that that is that is off putting to a lot of people and that's all and, and I'm I, saying. again it's like, yeah it, and I know I, I I get that but also like I said with Cody Bellinger and he was, wasn't the first just show yeah I thought some that was very nice the way they handled yeah, it he he I can stand. It, it, I'm not one of the. T I know there are types out there, but I'm not the type to say if you don't kneel, you are racist. But you know, if you're not going to kneel, which is fine, I wish you would do something like Cody Bellinger did. Just you know, some minor, small act of solidarity 
with those who choose to, you know, kneel or whatever. But yeah, kind of. I agree. People, there's, if, there's a lot of different ways people can handle it, but yes, I, I'm glad to see they do something. It, but I thought it was cheap. They didn't really do anything yeah, except try yeah, to... this this didn't accomplish anything. Yep. Yeah. If people think it's a political thing, then don't play national anthem during sports if you don't want politics. That's my last. Thing I think that actually is a great. That's a whole different conversation, but I think that's a there's great. No, idea. there's no point. It's yeah. literally political. But anyways, we move on. All right, we've got one more. That turned out to be not at all a DC overreaction, but it was a good conversation. Um, we got one more, which is at Thames Dingers. We've got a lot of new <laughs> Twitter handles out here. Um, yes, Tanner Rainey should get Doolittle's innings from now on. Um, Save this... it for last because it's not an overreaction. <laughs> I think Tanner Rainey is the closer of the future. Well, that's holding Maybe Powell. The future, but I think you need to Hold see on. what Doolittle's got if Doolittle can get back to himself. And again, in this season, like I, I care less than I normally would because I don't think we're getting to the end anyway. And even if we do, you know, to me, it's not, it doesn't count the same. So, you know, I, I think you need to figure out if Doolittle's, if Doolittle's cooked, you need to know. So I want to see him pitch, at least for a while. Amanda, what's that... Uh transitive is it called the transitive property or it's like if a plus b equals c then a plus c equals b or oh, whatever yeah, you're talking about the math like the yeah yeah so yeah yeah so uh, apply that to sean doolittle right loogie right loogie is a dying breed sean doolittle is completely turning into a loogie guy so i'm just saying sean doolittle dying breed we have a we're we're making a yeah i i don't want to that makes me sad. Shut up. No, for sure. <laughs> I want Sean Doolittle to succeed, but at the rate he's going, he is going to die off from this bullpen, at least in high leverage situations. Well, my hope is he'll he'll get right. You know that he's going to get Same. into the rhythm of the season and get right. And I hope I he hope does. So. But I do have I do have concerns, and you're right. There are red flags. So we're we shall see. There's lots more baseball to watch, which is the good news. So Maybe. I'm sure Davey Martinez is our manager, so we'll probably see him for the next three nights. So yep. since he pitched today. Probably. All right. One big takeaway. Each one of us is gonna give just like, you know, a major thought or your major kind of what impression, what you're thinking about as we come away from the first weekend here. I'll go first. Um I well, we have talked a little more seriously, so I'm going to keep this light. And plus, I haven't given my random thought of the week. Um, so I'll I'll kind of combine the two. My major thought, how, like, I understand the Blue Jays are only moving locations due to COVID. And because of COVID, we're not having fans. But how awesome would it be to have the Blue Jays play in Buffalo with those Buffalo crazy fans? That would have been so awesome to see. But mm -hmm. we got robbed from it. So that's my one random thought of the week and my big takeaway all right i like it it would have been awesome they are nuts up there that yep. would have been fun to watch oh, and man, a the, minor the league stadium where they're Bu so close buffalo pre-gaming like... baseball games there's like 10 times the amount of games as nfl like oh that city God. would have burned they're, it's good they can't go they're poor livers <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's probably safe for, for buffalo that they don't allow fans <laughs> yeah like they could barely make it through football season and that's only right exactly game. All right, uh, Ryan, what do you got? Um, the White Sox and Twins are going to be the best two teams in the American League Central, and both their lineups are a complete blast to watch. 
Like that series between them this weekend the, the was White so Sox much fun. I mean, you expected that from the Twins for sure because we we have a little bit of uh, of sample size to go from from last year. But the White Sox, man, they're close certainly. Yeah, they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be fun to watch this. It, there was so much good action in baseball. My my big impression, I guess, from this weekend is that I will watch just anything. Like in the normal season, I'll watch the Nats games, <laughs> and then I'll, like, watch quick pitch, or if I'm up and I can't sleep, I might flip on a West Coast game or something. But, like, I'm watching everything I can get my eyeballs on. Like, I don't care who's playing. I don't care what's going on. I just will watch any baseball I can get. So I am happy to have it back. I, uh... You know, I, I don't know how long we're going to have it. I don't know if, you know, the Marlins are going to have 10 more positive cases in the next three days and the whole damn thing's going to be over, but I'm going to take every bit of baseball that I can get until then. Yeah, I love baseball. Missed you. I missed you, baseball. And I missed all the all the craziness on Nat's Twitter, too. Like, Nat's Twitter, when a game is on, you take that for granted. Yeah, I forgot about it. <laughs> but it's I have a so love-hate nice relationship with it. I know, it's true. You do indeed. You do indeed. All right. I think that's it, unless we have anything else. This went really long. Thank you, guys. If you're still listening to this, I don't even know if this is like two hours long at this point, but thank you. We were excited to have baseball to talk about, like real, actual baseball. So we ran a bit long, but. Yep. Shout out to uh, my job letting us uh, work remotely through September, or at least through September. So looking forward to spending days at home just watching baseball. I never get to be at home. I listened to most of the game today on the radio. I was only home for the last two innings, which were the worst part. Well, at least you got uh, Charlie and Dave. It's way better yeah, than anything else. It is way better. I love listening to games on the radio. All right. Well, thank you guys, as always, for listening. We really appreciate it. Please um, leave us reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at AWhite7877. Nick is at HalfShackCat. And Ryan is at DCNatChat. And you can follow the show at Half Street High Heat. Have a great night, guys. Talk to you later. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play, we're gonna win today Let's go
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.